You're listening to the Straight Shooting Radio Show on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the hosts of the show, Jason Selms and Mario Vladko. All right, welcome back to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on AHP Digital. Thanks for joining me. I do appreciate your time. Of course, you can find us on the website, australianhuntingpodcast.com.au, twitter.com forward slash ahpodcast. Mario, as you know, find us on the uh, Facebook page, Australian Hunting Podcast, the same name. How are you going? G'day, Jason, and welcome back, everyone, to the Straight Shooting Show on the Australian Hunting Podcast, the best hunting, fishing, and shooting podcast in the country. And, uh, Jason, we... We haven't been on for a while now because yeah. uh, we've, we've, we live, live very busy lives and uh, I've been very busy with my family and uh, as you have, you've been absolutely flat out uh, producing all those wonderful podcasts with uh, the election looming. So um, I hope you guys have been enjoying those uh, really good interviews that Jason's been producing recently uh, with all the po- political parties that may have your program vote. Yeah, it's been quite interesting, guys. Hope you've been enjoying that. Uh, we had certainly a lot of different parties, haven't we? We've had, uh, who have we had? We had uh, Australian Sovereignty Party. We had a Australian Liberty Alliance. Um, Liberal Democrats. Liberal Democrats. We've had Robert Danielli from the Australian Country Party. Australian and, and guys, we've still got more coming up. We're going to be having uh, Ricky, Muir. Ricky Muir as well. Hopefully, we're going to be having Bob Catter on as well. Yep. Uh, we've definitely got Bridget McKenzie coming up as well because she just spoke at the uh, Sporting Shooters uh, AGM for Sydney branch just last week. Uh, so yeah, definitely a lot of political podcasts coming up. I've only got four weeks to do it and it's been quite busy, but, uh, what did we do, Muzz? We went on a, uh, a deer hunting trip, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, which was fantastic. Um, we decided to go out with a couple of friends and, uh, what, what was your feeling about the trip? I had a great time. I mean, we, uh, you know, cut some logs, we had a good fire, we went out, we put out some game cameras to, yeah, see if we could find any deer. My friend reckons that the New Zealand term is tapu, a tapu, which means a, cur- a curse. <laughs> Right, so I think I've got a deer tapu, which means a, <laughs> which means I've got a deer curse. Four years, guys, four years. One of the, a couple of the mornings I went out, and a couple of the afternoons as well. I sat in one spot. Um, you know, there was a really wasn't there muzz in this particular place that we went. We a uh, lot of uh, hoof prints, a lot of traffic. We were seeing very very thick area, a lot of uh, blackberry bush. Uh, yeah, really, you had to stick to you know the corners, the main roads, the fringes, uh, stuff like that. Trying to move into the forest just a little bit, but very, very thick with blackberry. And uh, uh, Michael, the bastard who helps us out on the uh, Facebook page, if you're listening, Michael, well done. I'm not, I'm not jealous. I was a little bit annoyed uh, that everyone was, well, not everyone, only one person got deer. But no, it was definitely a good trip. And uh, how much meat did we end up getting off the deer? Well, I think it was all up. I think it might have been well, close to 100 kilos. Was it? My, uh, very close to because uh, the, those two those two uh, bucks were pretty good. One had really good antlers, and uh, the other one uh, had a decent set of antlers, but not 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 as good as the other one. So yeah, yeah Michael done really good. I mean, there, that was his first uh, first buck. So you know, he's, he's uh, but how did he get? To, he was just in the right place at the right time. Well, me and Michael were actually driving around Jason, and we were looking for really good spots to um, to sit and wait. And I found this place, which looked like, uh, seriously, this forest was just absolutely magic. It just had deer prints all over the place. It was literally deer mecca. And um, I picked out a spot and I said, Michael, there's a lot of traffic here. They're coming uh, both up and down the track here because I can see the direction of the hoof prints. And I said, listen, mate, we're going to build you a hide here and I reckon you're going to get something here. And we did. We constructed a little hide from uh, just from some branches and stuff like that. Put a chair up there. Anyway, Michael uh, went up there, waited, and 
shot the first one, and then the next day shot the next one. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. Another story from that trip, too, was another guy we went with, a friend of mine. Uh, we, we went for a walk, and we parked at this little intersection near this little stream. And I said, well, I'll go left, you go right. So he did. Anyway, he got back, and I heard a gunshot. And I'm thinking, oh, that was, that's interesting. You know, like uh, first afternoon, I bet he's got one the first hour. And we walked back, and he goes, you're not going to believe it. And I said, well, what happened? He goes, I was just sitting there, out of the blue, right, sitting there. I turned to the left, and there was a deer just feeding on the side of the road. He goes, probably about 15 meters from me. He goes, even just moving my hands, because the gun was on his lap, moving my hands to the gun, it was looking around. He goes, I wasn't making any noise whatsoever. He tried to lift the gun, and he goes, I couldn't get the gun up fully. Tried to have a shot. Uh, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't get a shot off and uh, obviously didn't hit it. And I said, how, how big was it? And he goes, it was interesting because he goes, it was quite, it looked like it'd been torn up a bit, like it's been in a fight. He goes, it looked like it was been fighting other deer during mm. the, uh, you know, during yeah. the season. So, during the rut. yeah, so it was definitely interesting. You know, the, I thought my chainsaw was buggered too, but Muzz ended up fixing it for me. The old Chinese <laughs> bore my chainsaw guys, you know. I mean, th- these chainsaws, Jason, Muzz has got Jason's a bore. Jason's a, a shocker. He's a shocker. Yeah. He's just, he just hasn't got a clue on how to fix anything mechanical. <laughs> yes, I I just, what do you mean? I'm just not I good just, with chainsaws. I just can't believe you constructed a really nice, uh, I guess, solar solar um, battery set up on in your car, car and everything, yeah, which yeah. is uh, very impressive, mind you. It's very impressive. Those of you who have been following Jason on Facebook would know because he's put a lot of pictures up there. He's very proud of that. So I was very impressed with that, but he just can't seem to be able to handle a chainsaw. No. But anyway, the other thing is too, Jason, you said you got the curse, and what's the New Zealand term? The tapu. The tapu, all right. Well, I don't believe it's the curse because... <laughs> well, <what was laughs> I'll it? tell you now, why. Hang on, let I'll me just say, where I was, though, there was a lot of traffic, a lot of ho- heaps of hoof prints. Like, I mean, it was... Obviously, because of the thickness of the surrounding terrain, obviously they were moving down through those areas as well, down yeah. through those little fire yeah. trails, because obviously it's easier for them as well. And obviously, you got you know Michael sat in the right spot and was lucky enough to get one. Uh, well, I'll tell you the story about Jason and the. <laughs> Okay, hang on. You're going to tell us about the cat story. Tell them about the tell no, that one. No, tell, the, I'll tell, tell the cat few, story. There's a few good stories here. Okay, so first of all, Jason and deer hunting. All right, well, I'll give you a good picture of what Jason and deer hunting looks like. Well, oh, I know where this is going. Now, <laughs> right. Okay, so uh, Muzz is just uh, stalking along the uh, along the edges of the main road, and then uh, and I'm looking at, uh, ahead, probably about 150 meters ahead, and I see this orange hat, and I thought, okay, there he is. There's Jason. So I thought to myself, hmm. I was sitting on a log. At, oh, hang on, just, Jason's just sitting on a log. At an, at an in, I was at an intersection, sort of just you know, in this big ravine, sort of just at this intersection where these two trails went across. And in the middle, there was like a big, what would you call it? Like a bit, little bit of a ravine, probably yeah. about 30 or 40 meters down, full of blackberry. Looked like a perfect spot for deer, but go on. Well, anyway, uh, and I thought to myself, and I was actually just going back to my seat where I was. Um, I didn't even I was, see your seat yeah, 15 metres from me. I know. It's so, green, no, though, well, not, not even. It was probably only about five metres from you, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> it was more than I that. had my bag, which is my camo backpack, and my seat, which was literally five metres from where Jason was sitting and waiting. So what I'd done was I thought to myself, okay, I want to see if this, this goober actually notices me. So I snuck up. <laughs> And I snuck up, and I'd done my very best. I pretended like Jason's just another deer. And I was thinking, oh, how close can I get to this bloke? Anyway, so I'm looking at Jason, and he's picking his nose, picking his bum, looking around. He's, then he gets on his phone and flicks around, and I'm yeah. thinking, Jesus, this guy's a bit of a deer hunter. So, I've, got a, so, I've got a bit bored. So anyway, I've got a bit bored, but okay, I'm finally 
15 metres. And he's to Jason. my left. Let's say I'm in yeah. the, the middle of a clock. He was like at what, the nine o'clock position, coming from directly I, my left-hand side. So I stalked from 150 to 15 metres away from Jason. Mind you, <laughs> mind you, I'm wearing blaze orange. I did. I was looking at my phone. <laughs> I'm wearing blaze orange. You could probably spot me from miles away. But he's just looking at his phone, and I'm thinking, <laughs> mate, I could be the, a, a big, massive sandbar buck, and I'd just turn around and walk away. Jason wouldn't even know. <laughs> and then the funniest thing was, all of a sudden, I heard this, wah, wah. he's on like a little, uh, one of those, little those little rubber calls and all that, little rubber calls that he had. And, well, I had uh, my duck caller with me, uh, yeah. just out in my pocket from my from my jacket. So, <laughs> mm. and I went, "Oh I, shit!" Like, look left, and I went, oh, Jason shit. looks left, and he just sees me. I said, "Geez, Jason, yeah. you're a top hunter." And yeah. then to to top it off, to top it off, I went to get my game camera, which was actually I put it in a spot which was so easy to see right on the corner where. Yeah, but you don't see if you're not looking was. for them, you don't see them. <laughs> so what do I find in the game camera? Yeah, me. <laughs> me again. I found Jason walking around <laughs> aimlessly. <laughs> was it video? Yeah, it was video. You would just walk around aimlessly like Elmer Fudd, you know? <laughs> Wabbit season. <laughs> I love that term, Fudd, man. I've been seeing it a lot on Facebook. It just makes me laugh so hard, this term, Fudd. Yeah, but no, guys, it was a, it was a pretty good trip. I mean, it's great to get out with friends, you know, and I buy another gazebo. Today's, if anyone knows, those little gazebos, those three-by-three-metre gazebos, uh, fantastic little things to camp underneath, to cook under. Uh, I got one of the Ridge Rider ones from Super Cheap Auto. But hang and on, Jason. Been, that's been fantastic. Hang on, Jason. I've got mm. another great story about our trip. Well, what did I do this time? <laughs> <laughs> no, no actually, somewhere. we found a great campsite. And I mean, I think yep. we've got the camping thing down packed pretty good. Uh, I've got a pretty good tent now. Uh, Jason, uh, Jason's got a pretty good tent. We get the gazebos out. We set up the fire. We get the chainsaws out. We we cut up all the uh, all the wood that's on the ground. Yeah, and um, but anyway, I I was uh, sitting and waiting in this in this really nice spot, and uh, I hid myself quite well, and. There was a lot of tracks, and unfortunately, I didn't see any deer. But what I did see was a mangy black feral cat, no, and he was. Yeah, yeah, this one. <laughs> and I had my thirty thirty with me, and this mangy black feral cat was just—I just caught him in the corner of my eye. He was literally five meters away from me, and he's just walking by, walking by, walking by. And anyway, on, on the left side of me, by the time he was uh, in front of me, I picked up my gun and he noticed me. And the look on the on his on the cat's yeah, look face, over his shoulder, looking at lo- looked over his shoulder, shoulder, and the look on his face was like, "Holy shit, yeah, I'm, I'm done, I'm done, <laughs> I'm finished, I'm cooked." So anyway, the thirty thirty done a uh, a nice job of dispatching that feral cat nicely. So that was good. I'm very happy about. It. I, every time I get a feral cat, I'm stoked. I just think, wow, awesome. It was interesting because when I was actually sitting in my spot, you guys were probably a k or two away, not that far. All of a sudden, I heard. I just heard this boom, like two shots, and figured <laughs> yeah. that was obviously Michael. Mm. And then I heard it was either you shooting first or Michael's first or second. Doesn't matter. And then I heard the boom. And the other one, I thought, nah, that's a different, definitely a different sound, different sounding yeah. shot. Yeah. I'm thinking if these two bastards have got deer, <laughs> I'm just going to freak out because this is just. Yeah. I mean, I'd be happy they got deer, obviously, yeah, yeah. but you know, when you get back to camp and you know someone has been on their second deer trip, like Michael. You know, lucky bugger, and he's got he's he's dropped you know two deer. I mean, all the power to him. You know, fantastic. You know, news for him. Unfortunately, not for me. Yeah. But uh, no, we definitely had a good time, guys. We're enjoying getting out. Hopefully, we're gonna we're gonna be at Hunt Fest too. Yeah. Uh, coming up, so we're gonna if you see us down there, come. We're gonna be doing a show. I think we're probably gonna be doing a straight shooting show down there as well. 
Uh, we're going to be doing a live show. We're going to be talking to people, and then we're probably going to be going on a hunt after that. So uh, we're looking forward to doing doing that. Probably go down. Just we don't know many many people down there, so we're probably just going to hit a state forest somewhere down there, and uh, just have a bit of a fun. We've been scoping out a few, so we've got some good ideas. So, yeah. but Mars, let's get into. I reckon it's probably let's, exaggerating on the hundred kilos of meat, Jason. Was it, was it exaggerating? <laughs> exaggerating. Oh, it's probably about sixty. 65. I think it's good sixty. Yeah, yeah. That's still a pretty good haul. Uh, sixty it's, kilos. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. All right, guys, so we've got, you know, we're just going to read out some of the uh, comments like we normally do on uh, iTunes. So if we go, I'm not sure if I've done this one before, but Nulla Critter, because I'm not sure how many people post every time I do a straight shooting podcast. So if I've repeated some of them, I'm sorry. But Nulla Critter, April 15, 2016. Good podcast, fellas. Gets better all the time. Well, thanks, mate. Thank you, Nulla. All right. Boo.78, Boo.78. You guys make long drives end too quick. Excellent. Thanks, Boo. Thank you very much, Boo. Not I sure hope if... your drives are a bit longer in the future. Yeah, yeah, well, hopefully we're giving you enough content that the drives, you know, finish before the show does, so we've got you know, yep. more content to give you. All right, Parky Jr., Parky Jr., April 21st, 2016. This is by far the best podcast available for the Aussie shooter. Always looking forward to the next show. Keep up the good work, Jace. Three exclamation marks. He doesn't say good work, Mario, <laughs> does he? <laughs> Nothing for Muzz. <laughs> Nothing ah. for Muzz on this one, unfortunately. <sighs> Well, I do the hard yak. I edit the show. You just turn up. You know that's what. Oh, I know. Nah, Muzz does prepare sometimes. Sometimes we he does a bit more work than me on the straight shooting, and sometimes I do a bit more work than him. Just depends on what we're dealing with. All right, G Pinson. I think it's G Pinspin. First, at first, I thought it was Grinspoon, like the band, but it's G Pinson. May three, two thousand sixteen. This is the only hunting podcast I listen to. It's funny, informative, and entertaining. Jason and Muzz are a great mix and keep me laughing. Damn, you got one there. The presentation, <laughs> has, you, mate. Yep, the presentation has improved since the beginning and is becoming more conversational. Keep up the keep it up, guys. Graham, so that's from Graham. Thank you, Graham. Keep listening. Yep. So that's it for the uh, the comments on iTunes. So what we're going to do now, we're probably just going to jump over to uh, some of our listener emails. All right. The first one is uh, from Barry. This is more of a comment. As you guys know, we've been doing a 2016 AHP election special, and we've had all our program parties on. And Barry says, Barry's one of our regular listeners, always writing in, says, great interview, Jason. David truly is the man. Regards, Barry. So I presume Marzi's probably talking about the uh, David Lionhelm interview, which is quite, yep. quite a good interview. Um, as are the other ones that we're doing uh, for this episode series. All right, the next one is from uh, Michael Green. Uh, Michael's, again, regular listener to the show. Now, we're going to discuss what he's talking about in this email uh, a bit later on the show. He says, no doubt you guys will let Nick Harvey have it on the next show about his comments, which I think are disgraceful for a man of his knowledge in the shooting and hunting community. And I think Sporting Shooter Magazine is a great read, and Nick Harvey's columns is fantastic. He should know that criminals can still get their hands on these firearms regardless of the laws for licensed firearms owners. He should be standing up for the shooting and hunting community and not give the anti-gun people anything to rub in our faces. They may use his comments to say even one of your own agrees with these restrictions. Again, as we said, guys, what me and Mario have been saying for a long, long time. And he goes, shame, 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 Nick. This is a blight on an otherwise great career. What do you think, Mars? Again, if you haven't heard the Nick Harvey comments, we're going to, I'll just give you a quick rundown. He wrote an article in regards to signing off as the Sporting Shooter Magazine technical editor. uh, As far as I'm aware, it wasn't published on the Sporting Shooter website and it wasn't published in the Daily Telegraph, but it was apparently sent to the Daily Telegraph according to uh, where it was signed off on. Thankfully, they didn't run it. Um, But again, we'll discuss that a bit later on. It's that time of year again, and HuntFest is just around the corner. 
Huntfest is Naruma's premier hunting exhibition on the New South Wales South Coast. Huntfest is on this June long weekend, so don't miss out by getting your tickets early. If you want to be an exhibitor at Huntfest, then call Danfield on 02 4473 7035. Visit huntfest.com.au for more information. Huntfest, the place to be in 2016. More and more Australians are being locked out of the bush and the beach. Campers, four-wheel drivers, hunters, fishers and other groups are being excluded from public land or forced to suffer more locked gates. Senator David Lionhelm from the Liberal Democrats has spoken out strongly against these closures and fights for access for all. Visit ldp.org.au. The Liberal Democrats. More freedom, less government. All right, the next one again, Barry, you just heard from Barry before. Uh, this is a very interesting one too, in which we will, are going to discuss this a bit later. Hi, Jason, I'm sure you'll be uh, on for this one on your next straight shooting episode. I've decided to stop sporting cricket in any form. I won't donate, watch, or have anything to do with cricket from now on. The good thing is, one, I'll have some more time, uh, even be it small, to spend more time on hunting and shooting. Well, Barry, as we know, we can't you always love shooting and spending more time, and that is always great. He goes, this one is the SSAA New South Wales submitting to support changing deer status in New South Wales from game to pest. As hunters, we should be against this, and in two letters to uh, Sporting Shooters Association's Diana Mellon from New South Wales requesting how they came to that decision, she did not answer my questions, i.e., did they survey the members to come to this conclusion? If not, who decided what was the right thing to do for the members? Regards, Barry. Barry, we're going to talk about that. I posted a few things on my page, which I admit now mm. I was wrong on. Uh, I was definitely wrong on. We're going to discuss the, the pest and deer management in New South Wales just a little bit later on the show. So stay tuned for that, Barry. So we'll go on to the next one. All right, next one is from uh, John. He goes, hi, guys. Been really enjoying the show lately. I was just wondering when you guys were going to do the episode dedicated to sharks, which Muzz mentioned, episode 97. I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on this topic. I would also like to hear your thoughts on catch and release fishing, specifically releasing game fish species such as marlin. I personally feel that most game fish, i.e. billfish, oceanic stars, etc., should be released, although I'm still a strong advocate for the sustainable recreational harvest of great white sharks, John from John John Ogilvy, again one of my listeners, definitely uh, always on the Facebook page. Now, this is an interesting one. I'm going to put my uh, me and Mars definitely have a, and some people may agree disagree with us here. Oh, we're going to discuss disagree. this one now. Yeah, we'll discuss okay. it now. Right. I think this one's really important. Now, this is well, this is what I agree in. Right, um, I don't have a family. Mario does. Yep. Personally. I think if you're drumlining, this is my opinion, Muzz may disagree with me, we haven't really discussed it at full length, but drumlining 30, 40, 50 k's offshore, etc., etc., in my opinion, doesn't seem to be an effective method of managing shark numbers. Obviously, when you include things like, what do they call them, uh, marine parks, etc., more fish, more bait fish equals more sharks. To me, that just seems like common sense yep. to me. Now, I tell you what, though, if I'm at the beach... You know, kids are swimming, people are swimming. We have a great white, a tiger shark, any one of those aggressive sharks, whalers, bull sharks, etc. Enters the water 300 metres away, is causing a ruckus. I'm going to be honest. I hope they would jump on their jet skis fairly quickly, uh, drive out and quickly dispatch that shark. I mean, again, I think children's lives, people's lives are way more important than a shark's life. Yep. Frankly, I don't care if they go out there and take that shark out, you know, put a harp, whatever they've got to do, shoot it, drag it offshore, and no one and no one ever worries about it. I think that is a good move. I think, you know, we, we, we share the water with a lot of different you know, animals. Yep. Sharks don't just rule the ocean. You know, there's dolphins, turtles, whales, 
other marine life as well. I don't think they own the water. We certainly don't own the water. I think nobody owns the water. And I think that if I'm able to go out there and a shark is within 100 metres of shore and it could cause problems, I mean, they should go out and cull it. That's how I feel about it. Mm. Uh, I'd be happy if it was my fish and chips on my, you know, with a little bit of a tartare sauce. Yep. <laughs> uh, I've got no problem with that whatsoever. Um, again, but like I said, drum lining offshore, I think 40 or 50 kilometres offshore is just a complete waste of time. I don't think that manages sharks and doesn't really address the problem. But I think, yes, if they come in the proximity of humans, I think we should have a right to cull them. Uh, if you know, forget that one, one, there's one or two nuisance sharks moving up the coast that are going to try and head into shallow waters, you know, and potentially may attack someone. Get rid of them, cull them, you know, cull them right there and then. Send someone out in a jet ski, bang, drag it offshore. I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, I'm advocating to to save people's lives and to save children's lives. And you get a lot of people out there, even shooters, saying, "Well, no, you know, you shouldn't be able to cull these animals." And I'll give you an example. Why is it when deer get out of control and they start entering roads? We issue or kangaroos. Or kangaroos. We issue culling orders. What's the difference between a kangaroo, a deer, or a shark? I mean, it just seems to be there's this very, very emotional argument in regards to sharks. I just don't think it's warranted. I don't. I don't think we should go out and just start culling them for no reason. But if they're on shore, if they're causing a problem and they're spotted, cull them. That's how I feel about the situation. Make them fish and chips. I'll probably buy ten dollars worth at the local shop. Now it sounds yep. a bit cold, but that's how it is. I don't want people to get killed. I know you do take a risk by going in the water. You take a risk going hunting, you know, by getting attacked by a pig or having, you know, yep. your car roll over and, you know, you kill yourself. I mean, there's many, many different aspects. But I think, you know, we need to, public safety is number one. Well, does one. that mean, Jason, if a pig goes after you, you shouldn't shoot it? Well, no, you should. I think, I think you should shoot <laughs> it. You know what I mean? So. Same thing, you know? And then it's, people, yeah, someone gets killed by it. But I mean, is that always going to be the shark necessarily that potentially killed that person? I don't think so. I think if you know, you've got a chopper above and there's one 300 metres offshore and you're clearing out the, the beach, you send someone down there, bang, see that, drag it offshore, that one's gone. If anyone's been across the world, you've been travelling like myself and Mario, the, 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 I went to Los Angeles and then New York. I mean, the expanse of water that you oh, fly over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kilometers of water. And that's just one area. That's just yep. one area. I mean, I don't think we, there's possible we're going to put them into extinction. I think that's ridiculous. If you, want, if you catch them and they're catch and release, I don't really have a problem with that, Mars. Well, sharks are in abundance. They're in record numbers, in, mm. uh, especially around Australia, all across, uh, really all across the world. There's, there are plenty of sharks. Look, Jason, I have, a, I have a very simple philosophy when it comes to all of this stuff. I mean, we, we humans, we are the apex predator. We are top dog on this planet. That includes the lands, the, the waters, everything. And uh, animals, are, to me, they're simply uh, a resource. I love animals in many different ways. Um, I love them as pets. I know, I, you've got a couple. I can't believe yeah. you like shooting cats, but you've got a couple of cats. Yeah, I, I do. I look, look, I've had dogs. I've had cats. I've had, uh, we've got a pet rabbit uh, for the kids and all that stuff. I've had heaps of pets. I mean, all, yeah. all type. You know, I'm not a cat or a dog person per se. I, I, not at all. But um, look, I, I see animals in a very different way. Animals are a source of food. Uh, they're a resource. Uh, they're beautiful. They've got um, just uh, absolutely uh, fantastic to look at. I just love animals in every way. But at the end of the day, all animals on this earth are simply a resource. Uh, and we can choose them to use use them as a resource or not. Like, for example, the catch and release thing. You can either go sport fishing. And if you want to catch marlin for the sake of the sport and then release the marlin, fine. But but if you want to catch a big tuna and you want to eat that tuna, that's also fine too. Yeah, I think that anything's okay as long as it's done in a sustainable method. If you're going to go out there 
and uh, completely obliterate one species, well, then I don't agree with that at all. So it, it all comes down to whether or not it's sustainable. I mean, obviously, I'll tell you a story. Be, one guy, yeah. what do you think about this? A guy spoke to me not long ago about catch and release. Now, he had a completely different opinion. Now, he was basically anyone... And it did make me think. He goes, do you go fishing? I said, yeah, yeah. And he goes, do you, do you eat them? And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, does sometime you catch and release? I said, yeah, yeah. Sometimes I go to Malacuta in Victoria. We get a big brim. It's 25 years old. You know, sometimes I release them if they're over that 37, 38 mark. You know, they're nice eating, don't get me wrong, but they might breed. I let them go. And he goes, well, I've got a different philosophy. And I said, okay. And he said, well, if I, anyone that goes that catches, like physically goes out there, throws bait in the water, he goes, I go out there, what I catch I take. As soon as I finish yeah. catching what I take, right, or what I need to eat, I, I stop fishing. Yeah. Right? He goes, anyone that catches and releases, right? He goes, I don't mean exactly what terminology he used, but he said is really, well, I didn't say vindictive, but you're actually physically going out there, dragging a fish in by its lips to take a photo with it and then put it back in the water. He goes, frankly, I've got a, he's got major problems with that. He said, I catch, as soon as I catch what I catch, I catch it to eat it. Mm. I don't catch it to bring it in to cause it <laughs> disharm. And then to drop it off the side of the boat once I get a photo, he goes, frankly, he reckons people are pretty pretty screwed up that do that. And I said, well, that's an interesting point of view. Not saying I agree with that because yeah. I do that sort of thing. I Sometimes I eat them, sometimes I catch and release. Depends on you know, whether I want fish for the day or whatever it may be. So there's definitely lots of opinions. And you know, maybe, they have a, maybe the green saying, well, these guys are out fishing, pulling fish in by their teeth. I mean, could you imagine if I did that, say, example with you know, a fox? I had a bit of carrion on the ground. I put a big hook in it, right? Fox comes up, eats it, and I start dragging the dragging the fox in by its mouth with a big hook. I mean, well, a lot of the catchers do that with feral cats. Yeah, well, that's Chase. what I mean. Is, yeah. that, is that necessarily humane? Is it? You well, know, I don't know. Do but fish have smaller brains? No, I don't know. So and to be honest, deeper, we're, we're you know? getting into a, a, yeah. an area where it's it's a little bit difficult for us to comment because I guess we don't have that scientific yeah. uh, background to be able to comment whether or not fish feel pain or anything like that. But look, on the subject of sharks, definitely, Jason. Right? What do pre- people prefer? Would you prefer that the government shut down say for example bondi beach for six days because there's two big sharks out there and you know six days imagine that like and this is what they've done uh, a lot of the north coast areas they've shut down beaches for days and days on end i mean that affects the local businesses it affects families that are going um on holidays tourists tourist. tourism the whole lot i mean for what over two sharks two big sharks that are circling around. I mean, these. what we're talking about here is three-plus-metre sharks. I mean, five-metre sharks. These are, you know, potential man-eaters. That, uh, these sharks have uh, seals and dolphin on their menu, and I'm not suggesting they shouldn't be eating their, what their normal diet is, but the point is, is when you've got these big sharks loitering around beaches, it, you are not going to hurt the ecosystem one little bit by getting some low fishermen to go out there and to catch those sharks and to get rid of them from the beach so that people can go back to their normal lives, go swimming, enjoy the surf, enjoy our wonderful country. So I, I think, you know what, you want to shut down Bondi Beach or something like that, I reckon that's insane. That's insane. Any premier or any anyone in authority who's suggesting that is out of their mind, in, in my opinion, because sharks are in abundance. We are not going to hurt their population whatsoever if we get rid of the troublesome sharks that are hanging around our beaches, and that's just my opinion. Um, you know, they're just a resource. You know, um, and, you know, we've got uh, shark fishermen, illegal shark fishing on the north part of our country jason uh, a lot of the uh, fishermen that come down from countries like indonesia and, and and so on 
they're fishing sharks, they're, they're, they're cutting all the fins off and they're just dropping them in the ocean. They're smashing them by the thousands and uh, they take the fins for because it's a, a delicacy. It's cost, you know, it's a lot of money in, in Asian countries. So, you know, we've got all that going on and we haven't really made a massive dent in shark numbers and I don't think we're ever going to. Uh, they're, they're huge in population. I haven't seen any evidence to suggest that, that they're endangered at all, especially those ones, for example, like the great white tiger sharks, those ones that are very dangerous for people. So anyway, that's my opinion on it, Jason. Um, you, you guys are welcome to uh, uh, email us, send a voicemail, voicemail and tell us what you think of all that. We're the apex predator and we need to first and foremost protect the people, especially on the beaches and protect the businesses. And if, if it means we need to put some fish and chips on the table, Jason, to do that, so be it. Like a bit of tartar sauce. Anyway, get on the next one. I'm not sure if I've read this one before. I don't think I have. From Nick. Hi, Jason and Muzz. Just wanted to say I've been listening to your podcast over the last little while. And I must say they've given me a kick in the pants needed to go and write to members of parliament and police commissioners, etc. to try and change the system. I feel the tide is slowly changing, especially looking at comments on Facebook regarding Cricket Australia issue. Keep up the great work, fellas. That was from Nick. Good on you, Nick. Thanks very much. Great email. All right, here's one from Joel. Hey, Jason Mars, I've been listening for about two weeks already, and I'm, I wait, I'm wanting more. I'm loving all your interviews, and, and I'm gaining so much more knowledge. I can't wait to go and put this into practice. Thanks heaps for the info, and keep up the great work. Hope to see you around. Joel. Good on you, Joel. We appreciate your email, mate. Yep, great one. Thanks, Joel. All right, another one. Here we go from Ryan. G'day, guys. First of all, love the podcast. Haven't missed an episode from day one. Nice. A long-time listener. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. Just wanted to share an idea with you lads uh, I had while listening to your latest straight shooting. I was wondering if you've ever considered doing a short video together just to lay down the facts in regards to registration. Uh, why further gun law restrictions don't help crime, etc., etc. Just all the points you both are so well-versed and repeat on so many episodes. And the ones even our own pro-gun parties seem to forget when given the opportunity to speak up. Hopefully we could make a video like this go somewhat viral. Cheers. Keep up the awesome work. Regards, Ryan. Yes, Ryan. Uh, we did actually do cover a lot on registration on our earlier episodes. Yeah, no, he says that, but what about yeah. doing like a video? Right, what about okay. doing a video, yeah. express, a quick video expressing the miss? Well, we are going to do, interesting, Mus Mus had a great idea, and I'm waiting on a new camera to come uh, in the next week or so mm. about doing a how to get your gun license and how to get your R license in New South Wales. I know yeah. this may be different compared to some other states, but... How to get your gun license will probably be fairly similar. Similar, yeah. As, you know, other states. So Queensland, Victoria, it's a very, fairly similar process. And uh, also, we're going to be doing a video on how to get your uh, license and go hunting in the yeah. state forest. So, I mean, th- these are really important uh, videos that uh, m- myself and Jason were hoping to make it a really a cool, catchy uh, like three minute video that can be shared around easily on Facebook, yep. so that to get try and get as many young guys into the sport and as many people into hunting in general. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that'd be good if we we're actually got to prepare for that. We need to write up some scripts, keep them to the point, not off the cuff sort of stuff. We want it to be bang in your face. One, do this, do this. Three to four, five minute video, no longer, and put them out there. So, no, mate, definitely a great idea, Ryan. Thanks, mate, and we'll. We'll definitely look at that in the future. All right, another one uh, from Luke about Airsoft. He goes, hi, guys. I have a point regarding the colouring of the Airsoft gun barrels orange. I've seen plenty of examples online of 12-gauge pumps and semi-autos dressed up to look like those plastic Nerf guns kids use to fire those foam pellets. So it's all very well that the harmless guns have to be painted up so they don't look like real guns, but the criminals are making their own real guns look like toys anyway. I just think people need to be educated enough and responsible enough to understand that many people don't know what a real firearm looks like. 
and that they can be threatened purely by the look of it. I honestly believe the general public lacks common sense at times. Cheers and keep up the good work. So that was from Luke. Yeah, Luke, uh, airsoft, another sticking sticking issue, I guess. It's just ridiculous, really. I don't know how we can move forward on this issue because uh, we're pretty much uh, ruled by the police in this manner. Yeah, they pretty much don't like it. And, uh, you know, um, if they don't like it, well, then they're never gonna, not going to give uh, uh, legislators the blessing on changing the laws. And uh, unfortunately, that's just the case at the moment. Um, we need to try and change the attitudes and uh, hopefully... One day we can get airsoft as a mainstream sport in Australia. In terms of um, trying to get it legalised, it's going to be very difficult. But uh, look, all we can do is just keep writing to your elected representatives and uh, keep educating them. Yep, good one, Muzz. Uh, okay, here from Shane. G'day, Jason Muzz. Shane here from Western Australia, current target rifle shooter. Recently became aware of your podcast and have been listening to as many episodes as possible. Great stuff. Keep up the good work. As I am now fully aware of the absolute pathetic firearms laws that came to effect as a result of Port Arthur, this led me to do some research of the event. I have pasted the link below for you guys to check out some very interesting stuff on the web that I'm sure a lot of people would not be aware of. Uh, if this would be suitable nature for you and Muzz to discuss on the next straight shooting would be awesome. Seeing as the 20-year anniversary is coming up of Port Arthur and the avalanche of emotionally fueled anti-gunners are more than likely going to make their voices heard, I thought this link would make appropriate ammo, no pun intended, for all us law-abiding firearms owners. So there's an article there. I feel that the content should be widely known uh, for law-abiding firearms owners out there. Well, the whole of Australia actually should really then make up their mind. Anyway, cheers, Shane. Shane, we haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but we will probably in the next show. We just yep. mate, This show is just jam-packed with so much data that we've got, mate, so we're definitely going to address yours on the next show. That's pretty much it uh, for all the people that decided to write into the show. Let us know your thoughts, interests, and opinions and feelings on certain topics. We're going to talk a fair bit of today about things that have been said in the media that aren't really... You know, especially from our pro-gunners that you would say sometimes are not really pro-gun, you know, saying things detrimental to gun rights. Now, some people have said to me, they've said it on Facebook or Mario, well, you know, do you think you guys could do a better job? Now, we're podcasters. We're not elected representatives for parliament getting paid, you know, one hundred forty to $160,000 a year to advocate for your gun rights. As you know, a lot of this we do for free. The advertisements you hear on this show... Um, yep. uh, some of our fantastic sponsors that want to sponsor this show. We get a little bit of money per year, which, as you know, upgrades our equipment. So a very, very good one. The one and only Mario Vlatko sitting right next to me called up to UE. What was his name? Was it Justin? Did you speak to Justin, I think it was? Yes, Clint, uh, Clinton Maynard. Oh, Clinton Maynard, that's yeah. right, on two UE. Now, what I'd like to say in this is, one, he did a fantastic job, but number two... It's really unheard of for a person that calls in, especially a caller, not a politician, just a caller to get almost five minutes of airtime with Clinton, yep. talking about America and gun laws. Um, I only have one issue that he said in, in this before we actually play it, uh, and I thought it was fantastic. It's only one is not even really an issue. Just when you were talking about America, uh, I think you said something, well, we're not really America, we're not going to, or something along those lines. You'll get to listen to it. I don't think it was a huge deal, but the rest of it, mate, you just blew it out of the water. And I even think at one stage, Clinton even does say, does he? Um, mate, you seem to know what you're talking about. You seem to be you know, up on the ball. I've got a, a little bit of a fear of public speaking, Jason, as you know. Okay, so that's why I can probably do this podcast. But if I had to do it in front of, say, 200 people, <laughs> I'd probably fall to bits. So I, I get really nervous and that. And sometimes that nervousness does, does transfer over to, like, if I'm calling up on radio or something like that, which uh, I don't do very often. But any time it's a gun issue or something to do with our um, freedoms, I do uh, try and ring up and try and get on. 
Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But anyway, um, Jason, we might as well play it, and uh, I'll, yeah. get, I'll let I'll let our listeners be the judge. One on second, how it went. I thought I might add when I actually caught up twice. I've actually caught up two GB. Uh, they were going to put me on. I gave him the spiel to the guy on the other end of the line. Uh, this was on Ben Fordham, 2GB, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I do have that recorded, but I can't play it, obviously, because I don't have consent from the person. I'm not actually on radio, so I can't play it. And also caught up Triple J Hack as well, two days in a row. Mm. Gave him the spiel. She's like, yeah, you got." I waited and waited. They decided to choose two other people that unfortunately sold out gun rights again. Shooter's going, yeah, well, I'm glad I gave up. Remember on 2GB? Oh, some bullets. Oh, I'm glad I gave up that semi-auto. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. And I mean, Jason, Jason, to his credit, has been trying very hard to get on radio and to present a program. I think I give him too much... But but when they hear Jason, they think, "Holy shit, this guy, this guy knows his stuff. He's he's pro gun, more pro gun than the NRA." <laughs> so I've, so anyway. I think some maybe they probably be, probably freak out a little bit, and that's probably why Jason doesn't get a go. And uh, I guess they give all the apathetic guys a go. Yeah. So all right, let's get into this. Is Mario with Clinton Maynard on two UE? Let's play that uh, audio right now. Thirteen, thirteen, thirty-two. Hello, Mario. Uh, g'day, Clinton. Thanks for taking my call. It's a pleasure, buddy. I uh, just wanted to talk about the firearms laws. Yes, yes. I completely disagree with your assertion of uh, the firearm laws in this country. Okay, tell me why I'm wrong. The reason why is because what we've had in the last 20 years is the benefit of uh, research mm-hmm. and uh, having a look at similar countries that haven't had the tough gun laws that we've had. Yep. And they have also experienced a, a very similar, if not exactly the same, decline in firearms-related uh, uh, deaths uh, without the tough gun laws. Well, so you think, there's the, you think there's other reasons of why people aren't being shot as much? Well, that's correct. I mean, uh, largely in the Western world, gun deaths in general have been declining. Do, do, doesn't uh, doesn't the American despite, culture despite the frighten you? Do, doesn't you when, you when you hear about massacre after massacre in America, don't you find that frightening? Look, that, that is a, that, that, they are shocking events. Yeah. But uh, what we need to look at and what this country is lacking in general is a proper debate on firearms. Every time... We talk about firearms, or we talk about, oh, America, oh, Port Arthur, and a lot of these emotive arguments come out, and we never really talk about the facts. And let's have a look at, for example, similar countries to Australia, like Canada and New Zealand. They, haven't, they don't have the strict gun laws that we have, and mm. they haven't experienced the mass murders or anything like that so, but, uh, in, in the same time, time frame as we have. So personally, Mario, what would you like to see? Well, I would like to see a proper debate on firearm laws that's, that's uh, without all the emotive arguments... Yeah, but, but what, would, what would you advocate... Mario, I'm not an expert on firearms. You sound like you have a, a decent knowledge of it. Yeah. What would you like to see introduced? What changes would you like? Well, what we need to recognise, and, and I'll get to the changes, what we need to recognise is the fact that it's responsible people who own firearms, the 800,000 gun owners of this country who own 3.2 million guns, are not responsible for the majority of, of gun crime. And, and that, that's and absolute, absolutely right. true. But if, so, if so, you start so to normalise it, the culture starts changing, as it is in the United States, where it's accepted that people carry firearms. Well, we have a, a culture in New Zealand and Canada that doesn't demonise gun, gun owners, that, that, that recognises that gun owners are responsible and doesn't restrict their uh, choice in terms of what guns they can and can't own. And they also experience... I mean, no one would say that Canada or New Zealand are violent countries, and they're very similar countries to ours. And what we've got to also recognise is that the idea that, oh, you have more guns and it's going to be more deaths, it's not actually true. I mean, you've got countries like Switzerland, for example, that have got... The, the highest amount of gun ownership per capita in the world. And, and, I, don't, and I don't deny with the argument that, that guns, when they're used in crimes, are virtually always illegal weapons that are brought into the country illegally. I'm not, I'm not denying that. My concern, 
uh, Mario, is the change in the psyche of the Australian culture if we were to loosen gun laws and go anywhere near the United States experience? Clinton, you keep mentioning the United States. We are not like the United States. We probably never will be. My point is, is that there is absolutely no sense in punishing the law, continuing to punish the law-abiding just to satisfy a couple of anti-gun people who have absolutely no basis, in fact, for their for their uh, request to change laws. The, pe- the, the honest people of this country have uh, who own guns have paid enough, and we are constantly getting mm. demonised in the media, and it really isn't fair. No one would put up with this kind of discrimination to any other particular group. But, you know, somehow it seems normal in Australia, and that's wrong. And the gun laws of this country should, should be relaxed. They should be relaxed in favour of the law-abiding. Because the law-abiding have nothing to do with people like Martin Bryant and all the crazies and men. Ab- 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 absolutely. But, I mean, it's the same argument with the lockout laws in King's Cross. There are law-abiding citizens who aren't allowed to go to the cross at four in the morning and drink on the streets anymore. But we do that as society because it's going to reduce harm to others because of those, because of those the small minority who do the wrong thing. And I think right, when, it, when, it, when it comes to... We're talking life and death here, Mario. Oh, I understand, Clinton, but what you're you're talking about is you're not banning people from buying alcohol, are you? You're still allowing them to buy alcohol. But when it comes to guns, you're banning people from buying the gun completely or buying this particular gun or that particular gun. It's like... There's still plenty of guns. There's still plenty of guns a gun fan can go out there and buy and shoot in in a controlled area. I understand, but a lot of the law-abiding have been locked out of a whole heap of uh, gun-related sports and industry purely because of our laws for no other reason other than, oh, no, this gun is bad and we've got to ban it. It's just complete nonsense, and we've never really had a proper debate about this. All we've had is just emotive arguments that make absolutely no sense whatsoever, and they just pander to the anti-gun left. And, and, and we just can't have that in Australia. We need to be able to discuss things logically and be and have a proper uh, discussion about these things. No, Omar, Mario, I, I, I've, I've got to move on, but I, I appreciate your rational argument. I think you're right. I think there does need to be a rational debate about these things. Let me assure you, I'm not from the, the crazy anti-gun left. Uh, if anything, I'm in the other direction. But I, I just truly believe when it comes to a matter of, of life... I just don't think we take any risk on this issue. I really do appreciate you calling your rational argument on that one, Mario. Thanks for your time, mate. 20 past 10, 13, 13, 32 is our number. Well, guys, you just heard from Mario. Man, I just I just listened to it again again for the first time just before we played it on the air. You did a pretty good job, man. You did a pretty good job. Yeah, it's not easy, uh, I guess, being on radio, first of all, and then, uh, of course, trying to get as much airtime as you possibly can um, most of the times. Um, no, but I'll tell you what you didn't do. Yeah, well, right? tell me. <laughs> you didn't say that we don't need semi-autos. You didn't say that. So you automatically you're one up in my book already oh, right. from many other people yeah. that can't get onto the media and say the right things. You didn't say things like we need registration or, mm. you know, these things like this. I mean, you stick to the facts, you, you know. Uh, he asked some questions. That, that good part in the middle, you said, well, I'll get to the changes in a minute. That forced him to keep him on the line to hear what you had to say. Well, um, very yeah, good, it's a uh, good ploy. It's, uh, I, I guess, uh, airtime on radio, especially if you're just a caller, <laughs> you, you're lucky to get 45 seconds, you know, let alone five minutes. So I'm pretty happy with that. I guess I've I, I done as, as good as I could. And uh, if you guys think I've done a good job, great. If you think I've done terrible, tell me. I'd like to hear it. One of the important things is, Jason, every single time I listen to a lot of talkback radio, and every single time they're trying to give gun owners a bollocking or you've you got anti-gunners on radio uh, you know, uh, talking about complete nonsense, I always, always, always try and call in, always. Sometimes I get on, sometimes I don't. But the problem is sometimes you get a lot of fuds that get on too. 
So a lot of oh, people we, that say, we, oh. we heard a lot of them on the hack program yeah. out of the night, I tell you. It's unfortunate. So I'm hoping a lot more of you guys who, uh, I guess, can talk talk well about uh, gun laws and, uh, and share your opinions. I hope you guys who are listening to Talkback Radio are ready to call in and at least defend gun owners, defend gun rights. I mean, that's what we need. We need a lot more people exercising our free speech uh, to defend our, um, our, our recreation, our, our culture, our sport. So that's what's important. Drop everything. The Double S Double A Shot Expo is coming, showcasing the shooting industry's commitment to ethical hunting and conservation. With safety seminars, workshops, and gun dog demonstrations, an indoor shooting range, activities for children, prizes for the whole family, the Double S Double A Shot Expo just keeps getting bigger. Rose Hill Racecourse, Sydney, June 25th and 26th. Supported by Swarovski, Winchester, and ATN Night Vision. Book online or pay on the day. Visit shotexpo.com.au. G'day, Turbo here from the Noob Spiro podcast where we talk all things spearfishing. So if you love your hunting and you love your fishing, you're going to love spearfishing as well. So check us out at the Noob Spiro podcast or visit us online at noobspiro.com. One of the awesome experiences that you can have when you are in the water and that's why I started spearfishing. Don't overcomplicate your gear. Don't go dotting dressed up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole new world and it's mysterious, it's magical. Beats the shit out of knitting anyway. Oh yeah. All right, guys, the next one I want to talk about, now this one is uh, Nick Harvey. Now, you might know Nick Harvey, long-time writer for Sporting Shooter magazine, um, technical editor right now. Now, this is an article. This was dated uh, to the editor of the Daily Telegraph, Sydney, April 12th, 2016. And just to confirm, this article was not printed on the Sporting Shooter magazine website, and it was also not... Uh, printed in the Daily Telegraph. Thank God it wasn't. Um, the main parts we wanted to talk about here, now this has developed into quite an interesting thread. I did write a blog post about that on the website, which you just type in Nick Harvey on the website, it'll come up. I want to talk about two things here, but first off, we'll talk, Muzz, about what he said. Yep. Uh, this is the main part of what Nick Harvey said. He said, one good thing that Howard's gun laws did achieve, however, was to ensure that idiot shooters, obviously there were a few, could no longer get their hands on semi-auto and assault-type weapons. Prior to the law being enacted, this country was flooded with Russian and Chinese-made SKK and SKS assault rifles and millions of rounds of cheap ex-military ammunition. Genuine sports shooters and hunters have no need for this type of firearm. So I wrote an article, and this is what, this is what happened, guys. I wrote an article about it. Uh, this article ended up, I won't give them any publicity because I just want to thank them for their publicity uh, about my blog post. But it was this was posted on a forum. Got a lot of support on the forum. And what it actually showed during this forum was the fact that people started debating semi-autos, which is a good thing. Some people hassling out my comments saying, you know, Nick Harvey's been f- for 60 years. I mean, you know, I'd lo- I've actually looked all over the internet for the last couple of weeks and typed in Nick Harvey, gun rights, and those types of things. And I'm failing to see where Nick Harvey has ever advocated for my rights to semi-automatic ownership. or It's not even anything to do with semi-automatic ownership. It's just gun rights in general. And I failed to find absolutely anything. Yes, he writes some great reloading manuals. I don't doubt that. But these types of comments are the comments that are sinking shooters in the future. And what's been happening recently, and Muzzled know this, is mm. I wrote another blog article, How It's Always Our Problem. And what generally happens is, guys, is somebody, a pro-gunner or an anti-gunner, it doesn't matter what it is, it's mainly with the pro-gunners here, guys, they say something in the media that generally is detrimental to gun rights, such as Nick Harvey with these comments. Okay, Inevitably, Thankfully, it didn't get to the media. Yeah, well, thankfully, it wasn't printed. 
But what happens generally then is, is when shooters get hold of it on Facebook, all of a sudden, it doesn't go viral, but people start discussing it. All of a sudden, everybody starts coming out and starts blaming people like me, like Mario, or even people on Facebook that have actually drawn attention to the issue of what's been said by that person. And that really annoys me because, as you know, Mario, yeah. we're not the ones out there making these stupid comments and then, ha- and then we're having to defend ourselves as if we're the problem. We're not the problem. The people that made the comments like this are the problem. Not us, yeah. not me, not Mario, not AHP, not the other gun pages on Facebook that draw your attention to it. If you've got an issue with what's been written by Nick Harvey and you don't agree, take your issue up with Nick Harvey. Mm. What do you think? Well, this is going to upset some people, but uh, look, I think it needs to be said. Look, Nick Harvey's an old fool. He is. He's an old fool. He's a fud. And uh, some people think, oh, he's a legend. He's done this. What has he done, really? What? Write for a magazine. And uh, he's written some reloading articles. Uh, and uh, the reloading manual, sorry. And uh, what? He's hunted a lot. Yeah, okay, fair enough. You know, he's, uh, he's been in the sport for in his entire life. But what, when has he ever advocated for our gun rights? I mean, when has he ever advocated for shooters? I mean... The idea, I mean, you will never catch me and Jason saying the word idiot shooters. Yeah. Okay, it's I mean, just disgraceful. There, and the people that often say this, so we hear, hear this idiot shooters, of course it's never never us though. The people that make those comments go, oh, there's idiot shooters out there. Oh, but of course I'm not talking about myself. I'm the one that can be trusted. Yeah, this yeah, idea okay. this idea that only you know, you, only they can be trusted but not anyone else. And, and how on earth uh, is uh, having access to cheap firearms and cheap ammo Mm. I mean, I mean, it's military it's, ammunition. I mean, was it somehow? I mean, how, more dangerous? how on earth is that relevant at all to the thing, to the problems and yeah. issues that we face today? Is beyond me. And uh, look, uh, yes, there were. I, I lived through that period. Like, I know what he's talking about. You can buy an SKS and you can buy military cheap military ammo, and that was great. You know, like I, I used to go hunting with my friends with uh, all those guns. And uh, it was fantastic. I mean, you know, we used to go uh, plinking in the, uh, on the private property. We used to be able to do target shooting. We had heaps of cheap ammo. It was fantastic. There's nothing wrong with that. And uh, for, for Nick to say these comments and just throw us under a bus, and mind you, mind you, this is what's important to remember, guys. No one's asked him for his opinion. He's willingly... He's offered his opinion. He's offered his opinion. He's willingly written a letter to the Telegraph... Um, well, this is what the letter says, you know, yep. and uh, we've read it out to you. So they're not yeah. my words. And people say, oh, it's not Sporting Shooter. I mean, he signs off here. Nick Harvey, technical editor, Sporting Shooter magazine. So yep. obviously someone's on their web. They, apparently it was on the website. They've now closed it down. Now, the interesting part about this is, is, is uh, on the forum, Marcus O'Dean, who works for Sporting Shooter. This is what he had to say. And I want to read this out, guys, because a couple of very interesting things. I've had a bit of a backwards and forwards with uh, someone on Sporting Shooter. Now, I know this is Marcus O'Dean because the username is uh, Modine, M-O-D-E-A-N. And he goes, first up, I've been a little busy with deadlines over the last few days, so I'll be brief. One, confirm that this is not in the Telegraph. Well, we knew that. It did not get printed. It was on our website briefly. Again, to me, excuse. Okay, number two, the article has been closed on the website. They know they're getting bad publicity. Shut it down on the website. Again, obviously a bit of damage control. Three, thank you for those on here who have been more sympathetic perspective to a living legend who has done so much for shooters in Australia in a practical sense. Again, making excuses why he made these comments. Again, another excuse. Four, I misjudge the nature of vitriol from some of our own that would result. Frankly, I'm amazed by it and offended by some of it. Again, damage control, deflect, deflect, deflect. I'm offended by Nick Harvey's letter. Yeah, so am I. I mean, seriously. I I enjoyed hunting with, with the SKS. 
Yeah. Okay. It was, a lot of people it was fun. I, enjoy, I I loved going to the gun shop and uh, buying heaps of ammo, cheap ammo, so that I can go hunting and have a great time. Yeah. Like, I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, what Nothing. am I? Am I an idiot shooter? Yeah. Seriously. I mean, Nick Harvey, his his uh, his use by date is finished, mate. It's gone. And uh, for him to do this and throw us under the bus, I reckon it's disgusting. Now. My my opinion is this, okay, you can write heaps of articles in a magazine, you can talk about firearms, you can, you know, promote the sport, you can promote write, reloading. Promote reloading, all that stuff, fantastic. The moment you do something like this, you're an absolute disgrace. I'm sorry. If you can't support shooters in every way, you're an absolute disgrace. There's absolutely no need to write things like this. And if you can't say something positive about uh, about gun ownership and gun rights in a letter to the media, yeah. huh, I mean, just don't write it at all. Just yeah. keep your mouth shut. That's my opinion. And I'm sorry, Nick, but it's a, it's a, it's a disgrace. And what I'm reading for they haven't even finished this uh, one yet, but all I'm reading here is deflection, deflection, excuse, excuse, excuse. So if we, if we go on uh, again, sorry, guys, I'm just trying to find it again. Here we go. Uh, I misjudged the vitro. Yep. So I believe Nick is entitled based on what experience and having fought the good fight for shooters when many were just in nappies and all the way through until now to express his reflections on the topic without a tirade of abuse, hence my publishing this. Remember Voltaire. Again, so now we've got to know that we were, we were in uh, nappies when he was born. Again, this again just seems like yeah. excuse, excuse, excuse. Doesn't know how to deal with it. Perhaps but also, an apology. But also, Jason, for, for Nick Harvey to say, oh, the good thing that John Howard did, and I mean... Yeah. You know, to, have you heard Jason just, and Mario because, say that? Just because there might have been a handful of people that were acting up with guns and somehow... John Howard is justified in taking everyone's SKS and everyone's semi-autos away. I mean, for him to say that that's justified... Yeah, but don't forget that crazy military ammo. That's bad, oh, man. Yeah, I know. Don't, oh, yeah, God forbid that's you should have... surplus ammo. Don't, God forbid you should have access to cheap surplus ammo. Oh. I mean, seriously... Like the, the, if the army used it, obviously it's made to a certain yeah. safety standard. It's not going to blow up in your face. If it has happened, it could have been a bad load, and you get what, those with everything. What he's saying is completely irrelevant to the problems that we're facing today and the issues that we're facing and does absolutely nothing yep. to try and resolve those problems and to help us out. So I'm sorry, Nick, but you are a gold-plated fud. Okay, here we go. And then just to finish off, he goes number seven. When most of our political... This is the part that really makes me think about who's he talking about. When most of our, most of our political reps and supporters have been quizzed on the reintroduction of semi-autos by mainstream media... They hose down the possibility. Well, who's been in the media saying no to semi-automatics? The only one I can think of has been the Shooters and Fishers Party and Robert Brown and Robert Borzak in New South Wales. So, who, well, so what, what they have, supporters... They haven't, been, they haven't exactly been supportive. No, they haven't exactly yeah. been supportive. So I'm, my question is, who's he talking about there? There are more pressing priorities, like recruiting another million recreational shooters so their weight and numbers will sway governments. Listen, I, I don't disagree with that. No, I agree with that too. But, but in uh, saying that, right, in saying that, Saying this is not really a priority, and again, this is what I was saying. There was a, a debate on on Facebook the other day about concealed carry, about semi. It's nothing to even do with these particular things. It's gun rights as a whole, and, the, and people start yeah. debating concealed carry. It's not even the point. No, auto loaders is not even the point. It's no. the whole thing of gun ownership. You cannot be caught in the media saying things detrimental to gun rights. It does irreparable damage. But also, Jason, in in, in respect to the shooters and fishers, I mean, they've got policy on their website. Yeah, they want to boast you. NFA and all that stuff. But you know what? They're very weak in saying it, like in the media. Mm. I mean, um, it's only occasionally they say it, right? Mm. And a lot Listen, of times, I, I and, and, and this is what we've been talking about quite often, uh, the inconsistency. 
the inconsistency of the message. And, I mean, we'll get into it later on too, but Robert Brown's performance, for example, on SBS was an absolute shocker. A train wreck if I've ever seen one. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's not the first time. Um, he, you know, he needs some serious training on, uh, in front of the media. He needs some education. I'm sorry to say so, but that's, that's how it is. He's a shocking representative, in, especially in the media. I'm not sure what he does in, uh, how well he does in Parliament because I don't watch all the videos, but in the media, he hasn't been doing very well at all. Robert Borsak, on, on the other hand, has been doing okay quite recently and will play that uh, video with him and David Lionel yeah. on the Sunrise program, yeah. which he's done absolutely excellent. So Getting onto that, though, I've been saying, like, you know, all we want is basically, you know, some consistency. That's all we're asking for, some basic consistency. And I, I don't doubt in a heartbeat, if the NF, if Robert Brown or the guys for SFP New South Wales could get rid of the uh, the ammo bill, the NFA, no doubt they would do it, and no doubt they'd probably buy one of these firearms. We'd all buy one because we mate, the, just the economy boost from buying these firearms would be astronomical. Mate, the biggest fud out there would be the first one in line to buy an AR-15 if he could. Would it be Nick? Would it be Nick Harvey? <laughs> I don't know, probably, he'd be the first one to do a review, <laughs> Jason. He <laughs> probably would. Okay, and then finishing off, Marcus Aden says, one day when this dies down, and it will sooner rather or later, I may respond at length. To do so now would be just poking the beast and prolonging something that needs to sink for the benefit of everybody. Now, it's just, I, I really don't know what to say, guys. That's the whole Nick Harvey debacle. Uh, you've seen it on my website. Uh, the blog post, and I'm just embarrassed that guys like this who have done a lot and then got the hide to say and put shit on me for saying I'm yeah. the problem. I mean, you've got to be absolutely kidding yourself. You have to be kidding yourself. Anyway, I've only, guy, bought, well, sporting, I've only be, bought Sporting yeah. Shooter a couple of times. I'd never buy their magazine again. Uh, that's me personally. Up to you guys if you have subscriptions, what you decide to do, but technically myself, I won't be, never, ever be purchasing anything from a sporting shooter ever again uh, and won't be supporting them at all. Well, this goes to the bigger issue, Jason. We, we hear it time and time again, especially from some of these older blokes. I mean, uh, they get, they, they've owned guns all their lives and then they get to one point in their life where they just throw us under a bus. And it's a shame because I have spent uh, literally 20 years reading Nick Harvey. I mean, I've, I've uh, bought so many copies of Sporting Shooter magazine, it's not funny. And I do like the magazine, I'll be honest. I do like the magazine, but uh, I certainly won't be uh, reading it anymore. And uh, it's a real shame that uh, people like Nick Harvey, who can be strong pro-gun voices, end up doing, I think, just disgraceful things like this. So anyway, um, it's a shame. It's Mm. a shame. All right, guys, what we're going to do in a play? This is a good one. Uh, by yep. Jeff Borman, uh, member of the Shooters and Fishers Party in Victoria, down there with Daniel Young. Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Sorry, Party. Sorry, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers. My apologies. Got to get used to that one. Uh, this one's about, this one was uh, 3AW with that clown Neil Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've already heard him a lot in regards to guns, hates guns, basically. You've heard him basically, you know, taking people to task on gun ownership. And um, Jeff does a really, really good job in this one. Uh, this one's about self-defense. Yep. Uh, so we'll get listen to it right now, then we'll discuss it. Here's what Jeff now, Borman... Yep. Now, Jace, before you press that button, I've got a lot of respect for Jeff Borman because he's an ex-police officer that's a strong advocate for self-defense, which is a, a rare gem to find, actually. Yep. Uh, and he does that publicly. So good on you, Jeff, and I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, this is Free AW. On the line is the uh, member of the Upper House in Victoria for the Shooters and Fishers Party, Jeff Borman, represents Eastern Victoria. He's uh, a former, also a former policeman during his time. He did work with some, uh, some of the ethnic gang issues in the West. Uh, Jeff Borman, good morning. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. Some of your constituency, I guess, in people who are legitimate and legal sporting shooters are calling me and saying they're arming themselves at home 
because of fear of these gangs. What would you say to them? Look, um, as long as they're complying by the laws, and I'm talking about having your guns and ammunition locked away, um, there's nothing wrong. If they're disobeying the law, then they have to deal with any consequences that may come with that. But these are people who are planning, if necessary, to use a firearm if their home is invaded. Well, let me put it to you this way, Neil. If you were at home and you had a firearm and someone invaded and started attacking your family, what would you do? Well, as you know, you're really only entitled to use it if you're in fear of your life. Uh, or someone else's life. Um, Section 462A of the Crimes Act yeah. pretty well sets it out. Um, and, so and so you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't dissuade people from that? Look, I am a believer on, and this is something that they were very big on teaching us back in the force, was you don't ever shoot anyone unless you have to kill them. Um, and if you don't have to kill them, you don't shoot them. So if, someone, if you find a burglar in your house and they run away, then I don't believe that's the case for using force. But if they're attacking your wife, for instance, with a knife, then you do what you need to do. But if you've got six people with baseball bats in your house in the middle of the night, whether you've got a firearm or not, what hope have you got? And surely well, it's only going to end in, in disaster. Well, what choice do you have, Neil? You either, um, you either lie down and hope that um, it turns out well, or you fight back. So you'd advocate you... fighting back? Oh, look, I would advocate people do what they think is right. Um, for some people, that is not an option. For some people, it is. We don't also need to not get paranoid about this. Um, ethnic gangs are not a new phenomenon. Um, in fact, uh, non-ethnic gangs are hardly a new phenomenon. Yeah. Um, the Sandy Boys from Sandringham back in the um, 70s and 80s. Um, yeah, but what, what is new is the, the extent of the aggro to burglaries and the carjacking now. I mean, the, the, the police have said themselves it's unprecedented, isn't it? Well, crime, crime's been on the rise for a while in general. Um, we can go on about police numbers and all that, but um, it, it's just a, it's a simple fact of life. But um, maybe it's time we started exploring non-lethal um, uh, methods of self-defence. Maybe it's time that, um, as a community, particularly for um, females in light of some of the things that have happened, um, we should be considering uh, capsicum spray. Oh, yeah, legalising the carrying of capsicum spray? Well... Maybe under a licensing scheme or something like that, something to try and keep it out of the hands of the criminals who, as usual, have it anyway. But um, if you're not armed and you're not in, uh, do any sort of martial arts or any sort of self-defence, you have two options, you know, drop to the ground or run. Um, at least this presents you with an option of trying to um, get rid of the person. The capsicum spray is legal in Western Australia, I'm told, but I asked uh, Bob Hill, Assistant Commissioner Bob Hill about it yesterday, he said no, he didn't think it was a good idea. But you reckon we should look at legalising carrying capsicum spray for personal protection? I certainly think we should start investigating this. If, if this is a trend and not just a statistical blip, then we need to really start thinking about the safety of people. Um, we aren't, in my opinion, and obviously it differs from some of my constituents, we aren't at the um, point where we need to um, be carrying firearms out in public, but we certainly need to be um, we need to be discussing other ways of doing it. Not everyone is available is able to do martial arts and things like that. Isn't the other point with firearms? If you're keeping them legally, you've got your gun locked up, you've got your, your ammunition somewhere else. People come into their house at three o'clock in the morning. You're not going to have a chance to get to your weapon anyway. Oh, look, um, it, it gets down to if you're that way inclined, you can have everything quite legal and still be able to get it in a relatively short period of time. Really? Um, oh, well, I mean, I one mean, guy rang me yesterday, I just replayed him, he said he's, he's sort of sleeping with the key to his gun safe close to him so he can get into it. Yeah. That's Look, scary stuff, uh, though. 
Well, that actually shows the level of fear in society that's coming from this sort of stuff. Let's take away from the, the, the gun issue itself, but look at the issue of fear. People are actually getting that scared that they're thinking of doing stuff like that. Okay. Look, thank you very much for speaking to us. Jeff Borman, Shooter and Fishers Party, member of the Legislative Council for Eastern Victoria, former police officer himself. Yeah, guys, you just heard from Jeff Borman, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party. Pretty good job. Yeah, uh, excellent. Did a good excellent. job. And, uh, really you, good. You see Neil, Neil Mitchell. God, he's a grub, isn't he? Yeah. You know, just yeah. he is, you know. Oh, well, he's a bit scary, you know. Oh. People are going to get, you know. Isn't that scary? He's a, he's a piece of work. He is, he is a piece of work. It must be a lonely, lonely old man, that's for sure. Yeah. Now, see, I'm, I'm very happy with uh, Jeff Borman. I mean, he's a great representative. He, yeah. he speaks well. He's, uh, he speaks common sense. He's advocating for self-defense. And that's what we want. I mean, we need strong representation. We need yeah. people the only that are going to be able. Agree yeah. Was but yeah, he said, well, you know, we are under a licensing system. We don't want pepper spray getting in the hands of criminals. I mean, how's that working right now for firearms? We've got a licensing system. Criminals will well, always get firearms. I yeah. mean, again, probably I understand where he's coming from, but you know, again, licensing pepper spray is not going to keep pepper spray out of the hands well, of criminals. Well, listen, Jason, we it's not that. an issue. It's not an issue for me. I think you've done a great job. I think uh Listen, I'm not hey whoa, yeah. whoa, I'm not hassling <laughs> you. All I'm saying is that again, that comment mm. doesn't represent reality because they will always get it. And pepper if they can get pepper spray anyway, they can get firearms, why would they bother with pepper spray? Well, here's the thing. Okay, to make a policy about pepper spray palatable, you would have to include some sort of uh system where the the government or the people out there can be at least reassured that criminals, I guess, aren't going to be able to buy pepper spray off the shelf like they would a piece of candy, for example, right? Mm. So I guess I don't have a problem with that because having access to pepper spray is better than not having access to it no, at all. I agree with so, you. you know, I agree with you. So if I, if I can buy pepper spray under under my, uh, they can't under buy my gun license, spray. if I can buy pepper spray under my gun license, I'm fine with that. And, mate, that would be fantastic. That would be a massive achievement if we can do that. So... I'm 100% with Jeff Borman. I like his comments, and I certainly hope he continues to advocate uh, for self-defense. But I just think, again, if someone's going to get pepper spray, why would they get pepper spray? If they can't get pepper spray legally because they're a criminal, they're just going to get a firearm. I mean, we know that. It's happening all the time now. We're seeing them being imported, the inquiring into banning banning of semi-automatic handguns. Most guns are being imported into the country illegally. You know, 220 Glock handguns from the post office. Look, I understand that, Jason, but I'd rather have the public out there having access to something rather than nothing. I mean, look, a lot of people have got wives, girlfriends, sisters who have to walk, uh, you know, two plus kilometres from the train station to home and some of them have to go past. Uh, some uh, dark streets and God knows what. And I mean, I'm sure they would feel a lot more comfortable knowing that their spouse or girlfriend or whatever is uh, has got a uh, small can of pepper spray to be able to defend herself against some violent attacker. I certainly would. I mean, uh, and I think Jeff Borman speaks a lot of sense. And he's, he's really, um, I guess, stepped up to the plate recently. And he's probably... Um, him and uh, him and Daniel down in uh, Victoria for the SFP, uh, they've been doing a lot of good stuff and I've been hearing a lot of great things for them. So fantastic representatives down in Victoria, Jace. Yeah, good stuff, mate. Coming up, we spoke about the start, about the deer management. Now, I read this stuff and we're going to go through this uh, at a bit at length because I've made a bit of a boo-boo, a bit of an error, you might say, in some respects. I didn't read the whole report. A lot of you guys don't know uh, the... Natural Resources Commission here in New South Wales are trying to change the NRC. The, the NRC. They're trying to change 
the uh, what do they call it? The um, changing basically deer from a game species to a pest species. To a pest species. Yep. Now I wrote in and said we should change them. Uh, I didn't read. My, it's my fault. I didn't read the whole report. There's some parts I still don't agree with, and some that I do agree with. Um, yeah, let's talk about that first. Now I know people in New South Wales, other other parts around Australia, so Victoria, don't have a season on deer. New South Wales does. I don't know why that is. Uh, I don't know why we can't hunt them all year round. I mean, technically, mm. they are introduced to this country. They are a pest species. Now, I also want to, in New South Wales, they have a season. Uh, you, in, in, especially on public land, you can't use so electronic deer callers. You cannot use you know, deer feeders or little bucket corn feeders, etc. Or any kind of baits. Any kind of, or baits, so not baits, but lures, basically lures, to lure yeah. deer into a certain area. So like salt lick blocks with molasses, etc., etc. Now, when I first wrote in, I said to the NRC that I was happy to put them as a game species. Then I read, probably read the whole report. Now, there are some interesting, and Muzz read this about this too. They're talking about, what are they talking about? Biological things they wanted they want to develop. Now, if we move deer over to a pest species, we don't know what's coming in the future. And this could potentially, we don't know, wipe out deer entirely. But in saying that, in Queensland, they are a pest. Mm. They haven't been wiped out in Queensland. In some areas, there's some fantastic deer numbers in Queensland. We know that. Mm. So my issue is, is the fact that I would like to see them stay as, say, a game species, Right, and we need to open up other methods and other options in ways to hunt them. Now, some people listen to this show really treat deer as some sort of mythical creature. I think that's ridiculous. Yep. I like hunting them. Mario likes hunting them as well. Why can I rattle two deer antlers together, but I can't use an electronic core? Why can't I get my game camera out, put a deer corn feeder where I think some deer are going to come and track deer that way? You're going to get more people being able to hunt. You're going to get more people being successful. And those... Those feeders, for an example, right, Mars? You can probably have, let's say you had a deer lick block and deer were coming in, pigs were coming in. That means we've got more chance of people getting deer, more hunters interested in hunting, more interactive way to be able to hunt deer. I know people want to walk around and say, oh, yeah, that's not hunting. This Well, it doesn't matter how or what you think about what's the appropriate hunting. So long as it's done in a humane manner. Yep. I don't think it's. I don't really don't think it's. It's a problem. Why can't I bring them in? Because I love getting the game camera out and seeing. Oh, great! I got deer. You know, for example, if I had a feeder there, right? Of deer are coming in. Or even even currently, when I'm using a game camera, oh, geez, a couple of deer walk past. That's fantastic. You know, mm. like I got them on camera. What your eyes aren't seeing when you're not there, and what you capture on camera is quite an exciting thing. And we are concerned about those biological methods they're talking about. What is if they develop sometime in ten years' time? Some. I won't say vaccine. What's another word for it? Basically, a vaccine type. Um, well, some type of, um, I guess, uh, bait uh, or like a, a genetically yeah, modified genetically bait. modified uh, disease or something disease, like that. Disease, yeah, that wipes out all the deer. That's going to be a major problem. Now, this is where, and I don't, I don't agree with David Shoebridge, but this is where David Shoebridge really takes us to task in New South Wales, and we frankly we do, we do look kind of silly. He says to us, well, you know, when we talk about hunting deer, don't we, Murray? We talk about our oh, conservation. And then he comes out and says, well, if it's about conservation and removing deer, what, why are you trying to conserve them for hunting? So hunters and shooters in New South Wales and organizations are not being up front. I love hunting them. Why yeah. don't we just say, hey, we love hunting them. Yeah, we want to hunt deer. It's part of our culture. Part it's of part our of culture. our heritage. We want to preserve them to hunt them. I don't, I don't see... Anything, What's the problem? I don't see anything wrong in saying that. Um, and to be honest, I just don't see why can't our elected representatives say that. I can understand and I can appreciate that it may be politically difficult for them to say that, right? But we need to, I guess, uh, try and develop a conversation about, okay, we love hunting deer. We love hunting them. I mean, the last thing 
personally, me, the last thing on my mind when I go hunt deer is, wow, what a great job I'm doing for conservation. I mean, that's the last thing I think about. The first thing I think about, wow, I love hunting deer and I can't wait to get some... Um, meat uh, for the family. Get, get some meat for the family, some free-range meat for the family. Like, that's the first thing I think about. And I don't think there's anything wrong admitting that. I mean, you know, free-range meat, beautiful free-range meat, uh, you know, killed in a humane way. I don't think there's anything better than that. So I think we need to just open up the conversation and say, look, we want to preserve deer because we love hunting them, okay, in areas where uh, they might be in plague proportions. All right, okay, maybe we can set up a system where we can encourage people to uh, go hunting in those particular areas. But the gist of it, the gist of the whole thing, because I've read a fair bit of the report, is essentially they want to put deer... Uh, classified as a pest species, so they can basically 1080D. But let's let's get back to the um, the main topic. Is the basic. I, I I put in a submission. I wasn't going to, but I did put in submission, and I uh, strongly disagreed with uh, placing deer as a pest species. I don't want to see the government 1080 forests and national and national parks for deer or for any other species. I think 1080 is absolutely horrible. Um, I would only advocate... Yeah, but in saying that, how do you... Okay, you're, you're a farmer, right? Hang on, you're a farmer. Whilst I don't agree with the use of it, sometimes farmers have no choice on their land but to control animals with yep. these things in, in specific targeted uh, uses. So how yep. do we do that? Uh, yeah, cause you, you can bring in as many shooters as you want. Sometimes in wintertime, you're not going to bring foxes out of the den. What will bring them out of the den is a bait of carrion meat that they can eat and will kill them. Yes, it's not a great death. I fully admit that. I know it's not a great death, but... Where do we draw the line? What? How do we? How do we manage that situation? Well, here's the thing, Jason. I fully support any private property owners to use whatever means they think is necessary to control pests on their land, because after all, it affects their livelihood, affects their business. So I understand that. But I think the government should not be using all these poisons, baits, and whatever uh, methods. Uh, you know, all these, um, I guess, uh, chemical uh, methods to be able to control. Uh, pest animals in national parks and state forests. I just don't agree with it. I think it's cruel. It's inhumane. Um, I think the government should be at every opportunity encouraging more people to go out and hunt. The most humane method of pest control is um, a bullet. <laughs> That's the most humane method. It's not the only way, but it's, I believe it's the most humane method of pest control is for people to go out there to go hunting and to control rabbits and foxes with uh, their firearms. So I think government needs to encourage more of that. And uh, in my submission, I strongly disagree to the use of any kind of 1080 baits or any chemical use uh, for pest control on deer or any other species. I strongly disagreed uh, with the reclassification of deer. However, Jace, I did mention that I I believe we should be able to hunt deer all year round. I just I just I don't agree with the idea of a, a season, a deer season. Some people can't hunt during a season. Um, some people uh, have only time to hunt out of season. Mm. In, in Victoria, and, um, they don't have a season. They're not doing it down well, there. Well, I, I don't agree with uh, deer season at all. Um, I believe that if they want to increase the amount of uh, deer that's being shot and to maintain their numbers. Uh, the government need to do very, just two very simple things: is open up national parks in New South Wales for public land hunting under the same model as uh, the current system in uh, in the state forests, which is an absolutely excellent system. They need to open up more lands. They also need to encourage more people to go hunting, and they also need to get rid of uh, the entire idea of D de- season. I don't think it, uh, we should have it. That's just my personal opinion. I know a lot of. Hardcore deer hunters out there would disagree with me, but I believe that, uh, you know what, 
if I want to go hunting, uh, you know, uh, two weeks before deer season opens up, well, I should be able to go hunting. <laughs> it's, uh, the, the idea of a deer season and the idea that I'm I'm shooting an animal that is in pest proportions in some area, you know, two weeks before the season, and that could be cause for me losing my license. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's just ridiculous, isn't it? So it's basically what ridiculous. I did is I resubmitted mine too. I um, you know, I said didn't read the thing properly. I fully admit that. Um, so I resubmitted it and I basically said supporting them as a, as a game species still. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I support the removal of the G license. I know people want to you know, get more licenses for the DPI, but I think more regulation no. sometimes is not the answer. Our license, public land hunting, absolutely very important because we want to know who's in forest, make sure it's managed, make sure we haven't got a thousand people hunting in the one forest. And Jason, while we're on that topic, uh, public land hunting, okay, a lot of states still don't have public land hunting. Guys, it's so important, especially you guys in Queensland. You've got to get public land hunting up. It is the most important issue in regards to hunting um, countrywide. I think uh, Victoria and New South Wales have a great system. Uh, it's going to increase our constituency. It's going to encourage more people to go to go bush, to go camping, to go hunting, uh, which will increase their knowledge and awareness. Um, it is so important. All you Queenslanders listening to this show, you've got to get together. You've got to write to your local representatives You've got to encourage them to establish public hand, uh, public land hunting in Queensland. It's so important, isn't that yep. right, Jason? Yep. So getting back to it, I, I sent my, I resubmitted my um, submission, saying keeping them as a game species, removing the need for a G license. Also, there's another reason too on private land, unless you've got specific license or, or specific restrictions. Yep. I mean, you can't even hunt deer with a spotlight on private land. You know, I mean, that's just ridiculous. That's nothing. So I, I, I uh, approve the yeah. removal of being hunting deer at night on private land with a spotlight. Is that, is that for that. the property owner as well? Uh, it will depend. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not 100% sure on that. But I know you can't spotlight deer at night. Yeah. So unless you've got specific, the farmer's got specific approval from the DPI. So again, I, I um, uh, approve the removal of that, removal of the G license for people hunting deer on public land, and also just put the recommendations in to open up ways to hunt deer. So like I mm. said, with um, you know, uh, salt lick blocks, with deer feeders on, pub- on public and private land. Callers. Uh, call- electronic callers, like you know, deer honking. I mean, why can I rattle to, to yeah? I mean, th- these are things Antlers that are used. Together. These are f- it's common sense. These stuff. are uh, tools that are used all over the world. All over the world. <laughs> deer, deer hunters in America, like for the white tail, they use tree stands. They use, um, yep. you know, deer feeders. Uh, very, very popular. And there's certainly well, no shortage of deer in the United States. No shortage of deer. That's right. You know, and, and no, no reason why it wouldn't work here. So if we're serious about you know, pest species, I don't see why. How I want to hunt them is my business. You want to sit in one spot yep. and hunt? Fantastic. If you want to use a caller, fantastic. I mean, what's the problem with that? It's not the deer aren't going to disappear overnight. So keep them as a game species. Open up the other ways to hunt them. Uh, open up spotlighting on private land and also. Uh, what was the last one? I well, had? we just got to make sure that uh, we, uh, when you do take your shot, you, you, uh, it's an accurate shot, and you dispatch the deer humanely, as humanely as you possibly can, mm-hmm. and make sure you use the right calibers as well. We don't want people uh, shooting twenty twos or anything yeah. like that at them. We need to make sure that you use the correct caliber for the right size animal. So it's very important, Jason. Yeah, no. So, so we we put resubmitted it. Muzz put his in. I put mine back in. I should have read it, but I didn't, you know, properly, and I should have read the whole thing. But I'm glad I had time to uh, resubmit. Well, well, Jason can also make a comment in terms of that i've done a lot of research in, in regards to this and i asked a lot of people on on social media and to be honest a lot of them couldn't tell me why what are the reasons why should we keep deer uh, deer as a game species all they could say oh no because this guy said so and uh you know mm. but it just shows even a lot of the guys out there don't really understand the entire issue they couldn't articulate uh why 
you know, it has to remain a game species versus why uh, it, they should, the authorities want to turn it into a pest species. So when you really look at it, I mean, when, when they turn it into a pest species, it means that the government's going to have an extra, an extra tool in their belt to be able to get rid of deer, to be able to 1080 the lot. And when, whenever you go to a forest, and I hunt a lot of state forests, when I see that 1080 sign in front of the forest, I just look, I just shake my head and I think, oh my God. And because I know... Yeah, you won't be that, hunting any foxes Well, here. I know. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the likelihood of me hunting any foxes there will be very, very low so imagine if it's 1080 for deer as well i mean yeah and i'd rarely come back to those forests by the way i rarely come back to the forest and this is i guess this is what the greens ultimately want they want more power for government to be able to eradicate deer so therefore when there's less game less animals out there um you less will, licenses that sort of thing less licenses less likely people want to go hunting less less like i understand why constituency. people yeah. at the g license because they want to keep licenses up and i get that but let's get people out there hunting on the on the public land let's build the numbers on people hunting on private land and getting out there and removing those federal species and yeah. getting out and having a great time that's what it's all about yeah. it's not about oh why do you want to hunt you, you you're just not a good deer hunter if you, you know i'm probably not i have for four years i still haven't got well, one well you couldn't see me jason for 15 meters i know what's well, said but you know it's, <laughs> it's uh, you bastard I, I i had blaze orange on mate i thought yeah, you me from you Mars, came mate. from my left man you're out of my peripheral vision come on <laughs> <laughs> give me a, give me a break here. The point is, I mean, again, it's, it's, no, it's of no concern to anyone as how I want to hunt my deer, so long as it's ethical, so long as it's humane. I mean, feeding them corns not inhumane. Getting to lick a salt blocks not inhumane. Using an electronic callers not inhumane. It just gives it gives us a little bit more of an advantage to get a deer. You know, and people say, oh, you know, you know, the diehard hunters that think deer is some sort of mythical animal, I think is ridiculous. It's like any other animal that's introduced to this country. It is a pest. Happy to keep it as a game animal, but let's open up those other methods uh, to hunt them and you know get more people involved, get more interactive, and get more inclusive in deer hunting. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it for that one. So I guess we'll go on the next thing. All right, guys, another good one coming up, and we're going to head towards the SBS on the last show. But before we do that, uh, the Sunrise Program. Yep, we've seen David Lionhelm and Robert Borzak team up. Yep. Uh, very good against uh, Andrew O'Keefe, and they both did really, really well. And I'm probably going to say Borzak, I think, out. But maybe a touch. It's hard well, to say. Well, I think Borsak done really well. He 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 really um I guess uh, outperformed David Lionholm in this interview. I think uh, David Lionholm no doubt done a great job, but Robert Borsak really drove it home. That's just yeah. my opinion. I think he done a fantastic job. Was, it's probably one of his better performances. Really, he done really really good. Yeah, it's probably interesting because I think Lionholm had the facts written down. Yep. And sort of Borsak had the emotion, so they really sort of teed off together. So what we're going to do? Mm. We're going to play that uh, article. Uh, old mate, what was his name? Mark. This is makes me laugh mark latham mark latham there telling people uh. yeah they shouldn't have access to certain firearms this this is obviously a course about the adler the adler being and you just see the the people there watching the video going well i don't know what that is but i don't like it yeah i know oh, gee, it looks nasty yeah i mean look mark latham's been doing some fantastic journalism work uh, for the telegraph and other other paper papers i mean smashing uh, all these feminists and uh, lefties as much as he considering can, considering he was a labour, he was in labour. Considering he was labour, I mean, he's 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 really smashing them. But when it comes to firearms, he's just got no idea. He, he doesn't apply the same common sense. So anyway, Jason, uh, here we go. We'll play it. Thursday will mark 20 years since the Port Arthur mass shooting when Martin Bryant killed 35 people using semi-automatic weapons. His actions shattered the lives of hundreds of people and did truly leave a nation in shock. I was shot in my back, in my shoulder. I'm still having the surgery 20 years later, okay? 20 years later. Think of the cost of that to the country. I don't have a life anymore. 
The Prime Minister at the time, John Howard, instigated sweeping gun reforms, banning all automatic and semi-automatic firearms and required strict licensing for gun ownership. Since those laws came into place, there has not been a single mass shooting in Australia. But gun control advocates are saying that that might change. Earlier this week, Senator Ricky Muir made headlines when he posted a video testing out a new rapid-fire rifle. And this is an Adler A110 12-gauge lever-action shotgun. Or, if you ask certain aspects of the media, it is a new technology designed to circumvent the National Firearm Agreement and is a high-powered semi-automatic death machine. The senator says this shouldn't be in the same category as a semi-automatic weapon because it requires a manual reload, but advocates say it shoots just as quickly. Now, we should point out that the seven-round version of the weapon is currently banned in Australia, but five-round versions seem to have been flooding the market. So... Do the gun laws need to be strengthened once again to ban this too, or are we safe enough as is? Joining us to discuss is the President of Gun Control Australia, Sam Lee, from the Blue Mountains in New South Wales. In studio, we have Senator David Lionhelm, New South Wales MP for the Shooters and Fishers Party, Robert Borsak, and former Labor leader, Mark Latham. Good morning to you all. Um, great to have you with us. Thank, Thank you so you. much. You. Now, firstly to you, Sam, 20 years on from that terrible massacre at Port Arthur, where are we on gun control in your view? Look, our gun laws have taken a bit of a battering over the 20-year period. We've seen a watering down of quite significant aspects of our laws, including the abolition of the criminal record checks, ability to shoot unlicensed at clubs, and now the introduction of this Adler shotgun. Uh, it's, it's quite a sad occasion in, in many aspects. Uh, David Lionhelm, um, you're opposed in many ways to the current policy and you spoke to the um, uh, America's National Rifle Association to warn gun owners in the US not to let their government tighten gun laws. Let's have a quick listen to what you had to say. We are a nation of victims. You cannot own a gun for self-defence. Doesn't matter what the circumstances, doesn't matter how big the threat, you cannot defend yourself. Look at what Australia did. It's a defenceless country these days. I'm absolutely in awe of the success of the NRA at holding back the tide, and it never gives an inch. We love the NRA here in Australia amongst us gunners, and in fact we rely on you guys to also help us hold the line in Australia. Senator, you also said that Australia's gun laws haven't made the slightest bit of difference. Now, in, in the 18 years leading up to the gun uh, laws in 1996, an average of 1600, uh, sorry, 617 people were killed by guns each year in Australia. Since that time, the average has fallen to 266 people. That's a significant difference. So how do you make that claim? Well, what was happening before 1996 was that the, the um, rate of firearm deaths was declining at a certain rate, had been for a couple of decades. After 1996, the rate continued to decline at the same rate. It did not, the rate of decline didn't change. So there was, <coughs> there was a, there's been a steady reduction in firearms deaths over many decades, probably about 40 years. The 20 years before 1996, the rate was, the rate was falling. 20 years after 1996, the rate was falling at the same level. So if you, if you take 1996 and now, yes, there are fewer firearm deaths per year. That's true. But to claim that that was due to the Howard gun laws suggests 
that there was that, that wouldn't have happened anyway. But I've looked happening. at all the, the figures for the years, and you say it's a, a steady decline. In fact, after a couple of years after the gun laws, it was quite a, a sharp decline, and it was, has remained at about you know one third the rate of deaths by guns in the years before the if, gun laws. If you graph them on a on a, a long linear line and look at the rate of uh, the rate of deaths per head of population, so you can't take absolute numbers because population's going up as well. If you take it at, at, as a rate per head of population, the rate before 1996 and the rate after 1996 in terms of decline of firearms-related homicides is exactly the same. Can I also pick you up on a, a point in your introduction? There's been no massacres in Australia. That's not uh, using guns. That's not actually quite true. There's been quite a lot. Depends what you call a massacre, but we had... Uh, Five killed, the Hunt family, in 2014 in Lockhart, New South Wales. We've had lots of massacres involving three individuals. Are you so, doing all of these with guns? Yes, with guns. Yes, with guns. We've had plenty of them. This, this argument that since 1996 we've had no massacres, therefore it must, must be true, is not accurate. And Sam, how would you respond to that? Sorry. Sorry. Sam, how would you respond to that? Yes, well, the, uh, the gun deaths were declining... Uh, when 996 occurred. However, they have accelerated since uh, the gun laws were introduced. We have had no mass shootings in Australia since the gun laws have been introduced. We've had reductions in suicides, which was a huge gun problem in Australia. We've also had reduction in the number of, of handgun incidences uh, across Australia. Uh, so it's, it's been a very important aspect of our gun laws in Australia well, that we've had such a significant reduction in gun violence Well, in how do we country. define mass shootings is one, is mm. one question. Mm. Um, um, yeah. Given, uh, you know, you gave this pitch to the NRA saying that the US government shouldn't tighten their gun controls, but we've just seen another mass shooting over in the US yesterday, um, another eight people killed. Um, in the US... Uh, a person is 20 times more likely to be killed by a gun than here in Australia. So, Mark, I'll put this to you. Is that something we should be emulating? A lot of Australians are saying don't um, soften our gun control laws because we're going to end up like the US, where every week it's not even newsworthy anymore because they happen with such frequency. Well, I think there are many fine aspects of American society, but if you ask the average Australian what's the very worst thing about the United States, they'd say the incidence of public shooting massacres. And Andrew was asking, how do we define a massacre? Well, David's quoting incidents there, tragic, that amount to murder-suicide within a family. Domestic What's happened in Australia, if you define the massacre as happening in a public place, then up pre-1996, we had them in Australia, terribly, in shopping centres, at tourist attractions, most notably and tragically at Port Arthur. Since then, in the 20 years since, we haven't had a shooting massacre in a public place. Our schools have been safe, unlike the United States. Our shopping centres have been safe. Our tourist attractions have been safe, unlike America. I mean, this is a real benefit for public safety and well-being in Australia that we shouldn't possibly jeopardise mm. by relaxing gun laws and going down the crazy path of the United States. Mm. Um, Rob Borsak, I mean, obviously we don't need to guess um, in some ways where, where you stand on this issue, given uh, who you represent. Um, the most uh, recent research shows that 40% of Australians think that we've got our gun laws right. 45% uh, think they should be even tougher. Um, you know, doesn't that suggest that the, the public has no appetite for weakening gun laws? No, I don't think that suggests that at all. I think uh, and what we've come out with today is talking about it. We actually need a Royal Commission into what happened at Port Arthur. Uh, a lot of the debate that's going on is well-founded. 
and discussion is important, but in the end, what we really do need to see is proper closure after what happened at Port Arthur. Have we not, have we not respect, done, we done, done that? a lot of that already? I mean, no. that seems like no. Robert, what happened to Port Arthur that we don't know about already? I think there's a lot that happened to Port Arthur that really? we probably don't know about, and it's got nothing to do with conspiracy theories, the, as you're uh, inferring. Just well, say, we simply do need, as a nation, to go through the processes and understand the facts, understand the motivation for what really were knee-jerk reaction laws at the time, whether they, you believe, as I don't, that they were well-based is another issue. Well, the lunatic got hold of a semi-automatic weapon and slaughtered in innocent Well, hang on a That's second. The, the semi-automatic weapons aren't there now, and what we're doing is we're debating... Yeah, thank goodness. Thank goodness. And we're debating based on emotion, which is important. But we understand, people who have been through that process, and we saw it the other day on the Insight program, that poor lady is still grieving, that sure. poor lady is still physically Sam, suffering. You would say, Sam, that Can the I... kind of rifles that we're talking about now in, in potentially uh, lo uh, loosening the gun laws um, can have much the same effect as that kind of semi-automatic weapon, right? That's correct. These are what we would call uh, rapid-fire firearms. Uh, they can take uh, six cartridges within their uh, magazine. Uh, they've sold around 7,000 of these weapons already across Australia. They are very different to existing lever-action shotguns, and that's why they're so popular. <laughs> and how long uh, do they take to reload one of these? We don't want rapid-fire firearms in Australia because they're the type of firearms that cause massacres here in Australia. We said no to rapid-fire firearms back in 1996, and we must stand up for our gun laws now, here, today. We should be proud of them. We've come such a long way. We've come so far. Let's make sure that we don't go back to 996. Let's make sure we don't have any more massacres uh, here in Australia. One of Samantha's basic assumptions is that uh, background, universal background checks have somehow rather been softened in Australia. Certainly that's not the case. In fact, universal background checking is probably one of the primary reasons that our, uh, our, our, we, ha we haven't had a massacre at all, because the guns today are in the hands of people who've been checked, who've been police checked, and who are good citizens. But your party has said that the waiting time on a gun licence is too long, and during that time we are doing those checks. You've been agitating to, to restrict the waiting time, to bring it that, down. That, that's absolutely not true. Well, that's what happened on the Inside program that's, the other day. John Howard has said that's not that true. Uh, four states are looking at watering down the waiting period, the cooling-off yeah. period, between yes. applying for and purchasing you a gun. You can't, you can't so believe... So I, th I think, well, I can... I, you can't I, believe I've what John Howard says. John Howard, I can believe him on that. Back to this because gun. he's done good yeah, for how, the country. How would he know? How would he know? Well, he says four states. Well, he's well how, connected how inside know? the Liberal Party, obviously, and he says four states well, are looking at watering down the revisions. David Lowe, so that would be a major to say something. Yes, look, the, the, the assumption about the Adler is... Just, just hold on a second, Sam, Sam. sorry. We're just hearing from David. ...28-day waiting period, and now we're having no criminal record checks for those who want a second or subsequent weapon. OK. Well, thank you. The, the assumption that the, the Adler shotgun introduces something new and more dangerous and so forth is utterly false. I don't mind people having their own opinions, but you can't have your own facts. You can't create your own facts. That's the right. Adler is a lever-action 12-gauge shotgun. They have been on the market in Australia for 100 years. 12-gauge shotguns have been around forever. Yeah, but this rapid-fire style? Yes, this is the third on the market. The third. It's not even the first of its kind. 
And, and, and the, fifth, uh, the five uh, shot magazine is widely, uh, uh, widely available. Right. All they're arguing about is whether an extra two shots are going to make a difference. Well, with respect, I don't care about the mechanics of that gun. I don't understand what you're saying in terms of how it works. But I look at that video and I say, why does anyone in Australia need to be able to fire off that many bullets that quickly? Well, Who needs it? Well, the, the why do you need it argument is very authoritarian. Why do you need a golf club? Why do you need anything? Why do you but need you a car? You can kill a lot of people really quickly, like yes, we're seeing in the yes. US why, with a gun Why like do you that? need a car that goes over the speed limit? You can kill a lot of people very quickly with a car that goes over the speed this limit. Is, this is why we need to examine what the basis of giving licences are all about and why these, people are, why these guns are in the hands of good people, not Martin Bryant's. Okay? Our, our gun laws were framed people. and are currently run on the basis that everyone who wants a gun legally, is tested, is background checked, is a lunatic. No, no. no, no that's no, exact, no. That's exactly no the way it was based. That's mm -hmm. And that's, that's exactly well, the way it's based. Like that. We get treated like that. We get treated that no way. No one says that about farmers. Farmers have got a legitimate well, hang on. Hang on. But that's the way the gun laws are framed. What about the gun laws A single bullet to kill a pig, a fox, a feral animal. That's the way the gun laws are framed. To acknowledge that there is a possibility. was framed on the basis of a rush of emotion and a political opportunist named John Howard. Okay, but to, to, to acknowledge that there is a possibility that someone might be a lunatic is not to say that everyone is under suspicion of being a lunatic or that anyone is being accused yeah, of being exactly a lunatic. That's exactly the way the law is framed exactly. and that's exactly the way it's run. Well, that is Robert, exactly political right. opportunism here is people like Ricky Muir who are running for re-election uh, re in the Senate who's got out there and irresponsibly advertised this gun solely for the purpose to appeal to the shooter's vote in well, Victoria actually, where he's been a senator. Uh, that's, that's as irresponsible an opportunistic thing as you'll I, ever see in I politics. I take that as, as, as a, a valid comment, Mark. Mm. But the point is this. The real opportunism, the real free advertising for the Adler started last year when Senator Keenan decided to beef it all up mm -hmm. and started going for the Adler. Well, let's have no okay. more yeah. your videos, we, we have to We have to start wrapping this pretty soon. I, I know you've just been trying to jump in with one last thing to say there, Sam. Um, what would you like to say just as your parting words to the gentleman here? Look, we, Gun Control Australia understands that most gun owners out here have no intention of hurting anyone and we agree. However, if there's something that we can do as a, as a community to reduce gun deaths and to stop people from experiencing such horrendous grief, then we should do it. I don't think anyone would uh, uh, disagree with that. We don't argue with that. with that at all. Okay. Control the person, not the gun. Control the person, not the gun. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much. All right, you just heard from uh, David Lionhelm and Borzak on the Sunrise Program. Again, can't really, compl can't really yeah, complain. Fantastic representation there from both. Uh, like I said, I, th I thought Robert Borsak done a, a, an excellent job, a fantastic job. Uh, David Lionhorn uh, started off a bit bit scratchy, bit but shaky, uh, bit, bit shaky, shaky, but he got a little bit better to the end. But definitely, yeah. you can see that uh, Robert Borsak knew his stuff, and uh, really, it's great to see both of them uh, in the media like that uh, represented us. And I'm hoping that we can see more of that. And also, Jason, I'm a little bit critical of David Lionhorn actually, and also some people in, within the double SAA because regarding the SBS program. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm. Um, uh, I think they were invited to uh, to attend. Uh, well, we don't know officially. We don't know officially whether. Well, no. Dave, no David Lionhelm uh, did say that uh, that uh, he wanted uh, on your interview actually. Yeah, he did. He yeah, did. he did. You're right. So on your interview. So look, I'm very critical. I'm very critical of that because I think he should he should have uh, shown up because I certainly would never give up an opportunity. To um, in front of John uh, Howard, in front of John Howard, to tell years. him how how silly his gun laws are, and to and to give him hardcore facts, 
and real real world evidence to prove uh, what I'm saying. So I certainly would not give up that opportunity, and I certainly would not give up the opportunity. Yeah, it was a bit disappointing, wasn't it? To it was stand up, I certainly wouldn't give up the opportunity to stand up for gun owners. And um, and I hear, and this is just the rumor that uh, high level people at SSAA were also given the opportunity. It's just the rumor. This is what I hear, but they also declined. The you know I reckon that's very very disappointing, and unfortunately left uh, Robert Brown uh, there basically on his own with. Um, yeah, Graham Park with from Graham Park Union. and Robert Brown done an absolutely horrible job, and it would have been a lot better. We had more pro-gun people, especially people like Robert Borsak or David Lionhelm, uh, to represent us. Even uh, possibly Jeff Jones from the Double S Double A. It would have been uh, presenting a united front, and I'm really disappointed in some of our pro-gun representatives that didn't show up. Now, for anyone, hang on, for anyone that mm. missed it, the SBS Insight program, John Howard was on. They were talking about gun law since 1996. And don't forget, guys, this is the first time since 1996, I would pretty much sure that John Howard has actually been, especially in front of the media, yeah. with pro-gunners being able to take him to task. And, and uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Robert, Bo- uh, Robert Brown, sorry, from the Shooters and Fishers and Farmers Party of New South Wales was there, Graham Park from Shooters Union. And I'll get the name before the end, but there was another guy from one of the pistol clubs. In Campbelltown Pistol Club. Campbelltown right, yeah. Pistol Club. We're going to go through some of the things just incrementally about what was said. Yeah, Graham Park did a fairly good job. He started to get some time uh, up on the board and started to really hit his straps towards the end. I'd say it was a six and a half, seven out of ten performance from him. Not, not a bad yep, performance. Yep. Uh, if they all did that performance, I probably would have been pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, yep. there are a few victims there. And a lot of people, I hear this a lot, people that have been fairly critical of the program and of our pro-gunners saying, well, you know, you don't know what was on there. They didn't play everything. Well, the facts are that nobody knows and nobody has seen the footage other than the people that were there during the actual interview know what went on. People say, right. oh, they cut out this. What exactly did they cut out? You haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. You haven't seen it. Yep. The only people that know were the people that were there partaking in the interview. But unfortunately... And what they didn't cut out was an absolute yeah, uh, disaster. This is the problem. So, what they didn't cut out was the all the parts that really did us major damage. Yep. I mean, I'm not sure how much more damage they did that was actually left out. Thank God this was all they put in there. So we're going to play... First off, we're going to play... We'll start off with the, the pistol guy from Campbelltown. Well, have you uh, collated, uh, Jason? Yes, uh, uh, yeah? yes. Okay, yeah. So, so we're going to play a few clips here from the SBS show, and uh, these are, I guess, uh, uh, so the f- not, not the greatest hits, but the worst hits of the show. Yeah. The first one we're going to play is the, the guy from the Pistol Club. This read talks about, this is the idea of his argument about table tennis. Now, you'll hear it right now. Brian Cheers, that's your gun club, is that's that right? Um, ping pong? More dangerous? Easily. Why? Because if you slip and hit your head onto the corner of the table, oh. you're more likely to get injured. So, again, you just heard the guy from the Pistol Club, I mean, referring I mean, to... seriously. Seriously. Yeah, this is a what, terrible, what an terrible absolute, argument. absolute pathetic argument. I mean, this guy there representing us, pro-gunners, I mean, what, what, what a yeah, shocker. What absolute a shocker. shocker. Absolutely. And, and really didn't, didn't appear no. to be prepared... Um, to, couldn't really answer the questions. If you get, if you go on YouTube, just type in SBS Insight Program Guns, you'll find the whole article. Well, obviously, we can't play the whole thing on here because it's over yeah. a, over an hour. All right, so that was pretty much. Uh, they asked him a few more questions about what do you got to do to get a license. Again, he seemed unprepared. Uh, again, just my opinion, didn't do a good job at all. To me, that's no. probably a maybe a three out of ten. If I'm being nice, three, yeah, no. two, you're two being, out of you're ten. You're being too generous, Jason. Mm, okay, <laughs> two out of ten. I mean zero. <laughs> zero. Oh, really? Okay. I'll give him one, maybe one for showing up. Okay, so then we heard from, uh, so this is, we're going to go to the, the worst, to the, the best, I guess. Then we had Robert Brown, Shooters and Fishers and Farmers Party in New South Wales. Now, he, 
I don't know why. I literally we were recording our previous straight shooting podcast yep. and we paused it. We went downstairs to watch the program, and Muzz literally had to calm me down. Uh, there was a couple of things Robert said about the semi-autos. Now the first argument, which is not a, definitely not a great argument, is about why we needed those little semi-auto, yeah, you know, Ruger sort of ten twenty-two style guns, and what farmers wanted to do. This, this is the justification in the twenty in the twentieth twenty-first century about why we want our Ruger ten twenty-twos and our little twenty-two auto loaders back. Now here's what he had to say. And what was the main thing you think shouldn't have been there that was there? Well, the blanket... The, the, blanket, <coughs> uh, the blanket prohibition on automatic... On all semi-automatic firearms, yeah, yeah, including little 22 semi-automatics yeah, and yeah. things that farmers uh, use for uh, you know, cleaning up their rats in their, in their sheds. Yeah, again, uh, absolutely shocking argument. I mean, seriously, shooting rats in the shed? I mean, I guess that's, that's a very convincing argument, isn't it, Jason? No, terrible it's, it's argument. terrible. Uh, and uh, a, a real case of foot and mouth, really, for Robert Brown. And, uh, I mean, this isn't the first time. He's, uh, he's not a very great speaker on, uh, on camera, especially when it's t- to do with gun rights. I haven't really heard him speak well that much when it comes to mm. gun rights. And there is a couple of interviews that we've got, Jason, as mm. well, where some of the things he says really doesn't make a great case for him. And we'll and- play another one where he was, I think it was ABC, where he was in his office. And this is, again, what we talk about with the guys in New South Wales from the SSFP about consistency. And again, it's all there. We've got all the audio. Yeah. And uh, what we'll do, we'll go, we'll go back to the SBS, but let's talk about, we'll do, play that, I think it was ABC. Yep. Right, we'll play that where Robert Brown talks about and does a great job in regards to the NFA. Uh, so we'll play that now. But Australia's most powerful pro-gun political party, the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party, disagrees. This um, idea that it's contrary to the spirit of the 96 agreement, what do you say to that? So what? Who cares? We don't want the 96 agreement. The 96 agreement, uh, as I've just said, was, was a piece of garbage. It should be, it should be torn up. Right, guys, you just heard him there about... And this is where I talk about consistency, right? You can't go from one end mm. of the spectrum to the other. Now, in this one, he says, well, the NFA, is, we don't want it. The base yeah. is rubbish, who you know cares? what I mean? Yeah, who cares? Uh, whilst good, perhaps maybe a little bit too full on that. And listen, I'm not going to hammer him too much because you know, I want him to be strong, mm. but we also got to be strong in a way that we're not actually you know, looking like a bunch of redneck crazies with guns, you know what I mean? So yeah. if he backed off, say, 10%, I think that would have went Well, look, Jason, better. I don't agree with you. I think you've done a horrible job. I mean, Robert Brown Why? is either... Look, Robert Brown on camera is either pathetically weak or he seems like uh, really arrogant, you know, like and uh, dismissive. Like it's just, it's not a consistent performance from him. I mean, Robert mm. Borsak does a miles better job you know, on the media than Robert Brown, and uh, and it's just disappointing. It's disappointing, and uh, you know, for him to say those comments, oh, you know, who cares? You know, like. So what? Who cares? I mean, like, mm, seriously, I mean, mm. that's not a very convincing argument but for hey, anyone. Yeah, it's better than shooting rats in a shed. It's, it's a lot better than shooting rats <laughs> like in a I shed. Like I said, it's from one extreme to the other. It's, uh, it's no consistency. Why, you know, it's, it's just ridiculous. Why can't he just simply say in the camera, look, these laws that we have in Australia don't exist anywhere else in the world, especially not in the Western world, not in Canada, not in New Zealand. They don't mm. seem to have a problem. Why should we have them yeah, here? But you've it been just makes doing no this sense. show and you've been talking about this yeah. stuff for the greater part of... You know what? Two, three years now. Three years now. Four I mean, years maybe. I mean, seriously, you're on the SBS program. I mean, what, what, what is so hard about saying? Look, with all due respect, Prime Minister, uh, former Prime Minister Howard, uh, look, your laws haven't made any difference whatsoever, and the real world evidence is there to prove it. Okay, mm. there's uh, no no duplication of these laws anywhere else in the world. Um, there's uh, Canada, New Zealand experience have not experienced uh, this so-called uh, increase in crime that you. 
proposed to have solved in Australia, which uh, really they've only just had the same decline in uh, firearms death as we have. The laws don't really show, the facts don't show that your laws have made any difference whatsoever. And we are, we as a nation, and especially people in that my constituency, are poorer for it because we are completely locked out of certain right. sports. You, you know? You've already done a better job. Okay, you've we've already, already done, done a better, better job. job. <laughs> okay. And people say that, they say, well, you know, it's tough and it was this, you don't know what you're going to say on TV. I guys, I don't doubt that it was difficult. But again, when they ask you these questions about these things, I mean, you can't agree with you know, the, the Howard gun laws. You just can't. No. And the worst one we're actually going to play right now is when that uh, sort of Jen Brocky asked whether you know you would agree with you know these bans on um, you know because really uh, from what I've read and I have been wrong in the past, there was some fully automatic ownership of firearms in some states prior to 1996. Oh, I can't think of any. Well, but, apparently yeah. there was Tasmania, apparently was one. Yeah, Tasmania, you could own a machine gun, I think, at once. I'm so, But sure again, I, I, I was, that was with obviously some sort of yeah, reason. It yeah. wasn't just you can't buy them off the shelf. Again, I'm happy to quote me if you guys are wrong. Again, we were a lot younger back then. If someone's got any data, please send it to us. Send mm. us in a voicemail. We're happy to play it. But you just can't. But the main thing was Martin Bryant, 1996, if you believe it happened, whether you do or don't, that's not the point of this show. The fact is they said, what the gun that was used was a semi-automatic firearm. Now, people mm. say, what's the difference between semi-auto and a, these military rifles? Now, as far as I was, a military rifle was something that uh, is select fire. So it can select between yeah, semi-automatic full and fully automatic. Yeah, yeah. He did. He had a civilian issue. It was an AR-15 yeah. in uh, a semi-automatic, semi-automatic firearm. Yeah. firearm. This is what we'll talk about, and this is what it meant. And we'll actually hear what, uh, whether he agreed with Robert Brown, actually agreed with the uh, uh, ban in 1996. So here's what Robert had to say. The, the firearm that was used in this horrific crime was is quite correct. A speaker said it before. They were designed to kill people. It's, mm. It was a military weapon. Mm. And the guy, whether he knew how to use it or didn't know how to use it, the, the effect is devastating. So you thought, wouldn't have had a problem with that being banned? I probably wouldn't have. I mean, some of my probably. constituents out there watching this will want to hang me for saying probably that. Probably or, or definitely? So let me get this straight, guys. You just heard from Robert Brown. Um, that was on the SBS show. SBS show. My constituents are probably going to hang me for this. And then Jane I mean, Brogan says, well, you know, will or maybe, you know what I mean? No, just, <laughs> you know? It's a, it was just a shocking performance, really. Just agreeing with how gun laws, essentially. Like, mm. I mean, more or less, you'll say, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, I, you know what? <laughs> I had high hopes. When I sat down, I was thinking, nah, Brownie's going to do a good job. He's going to hopefully knock it out of the park or at least, you know, be be as politically correct as he possibly can for that show. But I mean, he, look, it wasn't too hard to say. Look, I don't believe uh, John Howard's gun laws was justified. Really, I mean, we've had it, what I believe it to be is a, essentially a knee jerk reaction to one madman, which is uh, a blight on our history, I guess, but a blight that is uh, uh, unlikely to be repeated in in, in the future, whether you change gun laws or not, and that's been proven in other countries. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, uh, my constituency, the lawful gun owners who don't commit crimes are not part of uh, anything to do with Martin Bryant or any other crazies yeah. are the ones that are suffering for it. Yeah. So, look, uh, and I she, mean... And that lady, that, that blonde-haired lady was going, oh, look at me, my injuries, and totally understand that, but I, I would have just said... Look, that was, that was, you know what, Jason? I'll tell you what, it was a very difficult situation there for Robert Brown, and, I've, and I have a bit of sympathy for him in regards to that, because he would have been attacked by this lady. It would have been Understood, difficult, difficult have... to deal with that. However, however, you'd always got to come back to being prepared. Being prepared. You know it's a show that's going to try and paint you as a villain. You know it's a show that's going to try and promote the anti-gun agenda. So you've got to be prepared, and you've got to be prepared to stand up for yourself. 
right? And that that is the part that I'm mainly critical of Robert Brown. He wasn't prepared, you can tell. Okay, yeah. he didn't do his research. Okay, he didn't really assert himself very well, and he appeared to be very, very weak in the face of criticism, especially from that victim. I would have just mm. stood I would have up. said, with all due respect, I wasn't the one. 800,000 law-abiding firearms owners, no, not the person that, you know, that, that shot your daughter and shot you. I mean, there's a guy now rotting in Risdon Prison in Tasmania who is the man responsible for, yeah. for what happened, not 800,000 law-abiding firearms owners, and I will not sit here and allow you to blame them. I won't, I won't allow it. That, that's it. Is that, mean, is, is that a bad argument? I don't think so. I think, he, I think people would have had at least a little bit of respect for him to, to, to see that he's willing to stand up for his constituency. You know? And uh, sure, it was, it was highly emotive, I just and can't, uh, I just it would have been can't. difficult, but uh, you've got to be prepared for this stuff. And this, is, this was my entire point, right? I'm not having a go at those who fronted up um, in terms of, uh, in, in respect to them having the guts to front up. I'm not having to guard them. I'm having to guard them because if you're going to show up to a show like this, be you prepared. have to be prepared. 100%. You've got to be ready with your arguments. You've got to practice. You've got to know your stuff. You've got to know your facts and figures. You've got to be willing to stand up for the people who you represent. And I don't think with the exception of, with the exception of Graham Park, I don't think, any of them done a really great job, to be honest. And um, look, it's a shame. You can't say do. on TV, my constituents are probably going to hang me for this, no. for saying this. I mean, you, <laughs> you just, that is a monumental screw-up, a yeah. monumental screw-up of anyone. And, you know, do you think Mario, like you heard Mario at the start of this show, if you've been listening to the whole show, when he went to you, do you think Mario would have been talking like that probably three and a half years ago before he started this show? Absolutely not. You know why? Because we do this day in and day out. We talk about it. I mean, even when we're not doing the show, me and Mario speak probably almost every day on the phone. We, yep. we, we throw questions at each other. Even when we go hunting, our last deer hunting trip, I said... Well, well we talk about the news stories around the world exactly. and what's going on. And we inform each other of the things that are going on. And not only that, we read the publications. Yep. And we're not trying to pump our own tyres up. My point is, is that if you're in the job, uh, you're paid to represent and, your constituency. These are the things you should know. Yeah, exactly. And, and and people say, well, we could do a better job. I don't get paid. I'm not an elected representative of mm. a political party. I'm not Robert Brown. I'm not uh, David Lynham. I'm not Ricky Muir. I don't get paid $150,000 a year to advocate for your gun rights. But I assure you, if I was, I'd be very, very well prepared. Otherwise, I wouldn't go on the show because I know yeah. it's going to end very, very badly. So yeah. I just wanted to mention that to people. Like this thing, you know, it's, it's an easy, it's, no doubt it's a hard job, but you're getting paid $150,000 a year to advocate for my gun rights. You should be living and breathing it. Myself and Mario don't get paid. We get a very, very limited amount of money from some of our great sponsors and yeah. our donators to upgrade some of our equipment. We don't get paid, but again, you've seen the effort Mario went to to ring up 2UE, and because of his experience, over the last three years, but the guy couldn't. What could the guy? What, what could that um, Clinton Maynard say? He couldn't say well, anything at all. Well, that's right. Um, you know, I, I don't pump hope, up your own tires here. Look, man. I, I, have to I certainly hope. <laughs> I certainly hope I've done an okay job. But uh, and, and me and Mario sometimes for a bit of a joke. We even did the last hunting trip. I I just throw questions at Mario. Mario, hang on. Hey Mario, did you agree with the semi-automatic ownership ban in 1996? No, absolutely not. I don't agree it should have happened. I think we've put ourselves at a great disadvantage in uh, in world terms. 
uh, other countries like New Zealand yep. and See, Canada every, have got a... Let's not go on, but that's the point. We, are, we, <laughs> we, we My point was we throw these things at each other because we're well prepared. We talk about these things on a daily basis. That's what we talk yeah. about all the time. We throw funny questions at each other, say, well, hang on, you know, did Jason, but isn't registration a good thing? And then I start at Muzz, throws that at me, and I start answering the question. Yeah. And, and we do it so often is that we know, we know now what to say. Yeah, I mean, I, when I ring up and get on the radio, my heart's racing, Mario's heart was no doubt racing, but he got it out, and he's done it so often that he can just do it now all the time. And this is the reason he discusses it so much. But anyway, that's it, that's it in regards to that SBS Insight program. Not a good thing. What have we got coming up, Mars? We've got lots, a few more political party podcasts coming out. Um, we've yep. also got, what else we got coming up on the show? Well, Jason, recently also talk, talking about political activism now. Yep. Now, as you guys know, the federal election is looming. Okay, so it's a, an extremely important election. Very, very important. David Lionhorn will be up for re-election. We've got several um, pro-gun uh, parties Miller. or at least sympathetic to gun owners parties yeah. uh, that are going to be up for election. And uh, the biggest change this year, obviously, the voting system. So there's no no more preference dealing. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to vote 1 to 6 for your uh, pro-gun representatives. Or, um, or 1 to 12 below the or line. Or 1 to well. 12 below line. That's correct. Uh, so uh, think carefully about who you vote for. Now, let me tell you, I am not going to tell you who you should vote for but i can tell you right now the stuff that i've seen over the last two years from the liberal democrats representative david Lionhelm is just absolutely astounding that's the amount of work that he's done the amount of awareness that he's raised uh for uh, pro-freedom and pro-gun issues is just uh, unbelievable and if there's anyone that uh, would deserve deserve a seat in that uh in that senate it is him without a doubt so please consider that um when you guys vote at the federal election because uh, we need to keep as many pro-gunners uh, mm. in the Senate as we possibly can, as many uh, strong voices as we can. And uh, David is one of those unrelenting uh, freedom fighters. Uh, the guy just has balls of steel, excuse my language. He's not scared to say it as it is, and he's not scared to defend freedom in every way. So I highly uh, I have a, a lot of respect for him um, for that. Uh, look, and don't yeah. forget, if Ricky Muir goes, mm. David Lionhelm goes, and someone like Darren Hinch gets in, that might be running. Oh, yes. I mean, anti-gun, so we're going to lose two massively, yeah. well, at least one massively pro-gun. Yeah. Ricky Muir being pro-gun to a certain degree, obviously. Yep. Uh, losing those two and then potentially maybe not getting someone else in Parliament is going to be a massive, massive issue for gun owners. And if we come out of this election, guys, this is what we're looking at right now. If we come out of the election with Ricky Muir gone, David Lionhelm gone, and no one else getting up from any pro-gun, that, that is a massive loss, yeah. a massive loss, not just from those two, just that we're fact we don't have two pro-gunners in Parliament representing yeah. our rights. If we don't get anyone else up, mate, that is going to be also, a major Bridget problem. Also, Bridget McKenzie. Bridget McKenzie has been yeah. a fierce uh, defender of uh, uh, gun owners, mm. and uh, she has uh, made a lot of great speeches in Parliament. In Parliament, so uh, please, guys, consider your vote very, very carefully uh, when it comes to the federal election. And also, I've just recently written a letter to the Prime Minister, and uh, I do a lot of letter writing as well to my um, uh, to the Prime Minister, the Premier, the Police Minister, all the people in, uh, that are concerned. And I got a letter back, and basically at the bottom here, the, uh, it was a letter from uh, one of the, the sorry, the Assistant Minister to the Prime Minister and Assistant Minister to the, uh, from Immigration. So basically, um, I didn't ask him about any immigration questions, of course, but he said that this government will continue to insist on robust gun control. We are determined to keep Australia safe and we will not budge on this policy. So there you go. just gives you a little bit of a clue uh, as to what we are up against. 
Um, so it's important to and have. Don't your forget, bo- Turnbull's a gun owner, apparently, and a well, hunter. Turnbull, yeah, Tur- Turnbull's a gun he owner, has a property, but, but he's also a politician, Jason. You know what I mean? And uh, unfortunately, liberal, a lot of people in the Liberal Party still live in the shadows of John Howard, and uh, you know that's a real shame because it uh, it restricts them in uh, the certain things I guess they can say. And certain things they'd like to put forward, but um, you know, hopefully we can break through one day. And, and if enough people write in and and uh, you know, I guess have your voices uh, heard, and uh, send your letters to the um, ministers and the appropriate police ministers and premiers, I mean, that's the only way to go forward, guys. We need to be a little bit more active, and uh, that's one way to do it. And just remember, it only takes ten minutes to change the country. AJ, hey, like I always say in the show. Yeah, guys, we're going to go on another one. This is a very good one. We just found it. Just poking around one of my folders again. Rick is Ricky Muir again, 3AW with Neil Mitchell. Now, Neil Mitchell again, you know, what a grub. Uh, yep. Typical of him again. But, I mean, Ricky Muir, he's come a long way. He's certainly uh, held his own. And this is about the Adela shotgun. And one thing I like about this, we'll play it first. Actually, no, we'll play it first, then we'll come back to it. Neither of us want to see firearms out there that are going to aggravate or increase the chances of another Port Arthur. I was looking at the promotion of this Adler one, A110 and they described it as tailor-made for fast and furious pig shooting. This new technology lever-action shotgun is a game-changer for the Australian market. Now, what does that mean? Fast and furious, uh, game-changer? That, that certainly sends a worrying message. Uh, have you heard of marketing? Um, well, is that, is that all the, untrue? At the, end of the day, at the end of the day, it was a really, really bad message to put out, and I've actually said that to um, yeah. uh, Niowa directly, um, because the reality was um, it is actually no different than the um, type of action and magazine capacity which has been around since um, 1887. So, okay. Well, t- uh, tell me about a pump-action shotgun, which has got, say, a capacity of more than five rounds. Is that any f- slower or faster than one of these things? I've, I've never done a comparison. I'm not interested in doing a comparison. No, but what, was, what would your uh, feeling be? Um, the pump action uh, would, without a doubt, be faster. Um, uh, that's fine. Look, under the, the current law, what, what this really does is actually, if we're speaking about rate of fire magazine capacity, the fact that there is not only other shotguns of the same calibre and same magazine capacity and same action as what the firearm we're speaking about, but there's others with a larger magazine capacity... Uh, of a similar action or uh, yep. other people who can uh, rotate a bolt very quick, True. it actually puts up a strong argument to, well, why is um, the pump action actually kept away from law-abiding firearm owners and why is it that somebody without a licence can go to the illegal firearm market and get one with ease? Yeah, but, that's no, but that's where on. the focus really needs to be. But you can get a pump action shotgun with more than a five-round uh, capacity under licence category D. Yeah, my which argument, virtually makes it impossible for anybody. Well, my argument is why not put the the A110 with a seven uh, seven cartridge capacity and not much difference in the speed of fire into that category, along with the pump action shotgun. Why not? Well, it's the old case of uh, give an inch and take a mile. This whole reclassification has been based off a lot of fear and mistruths. And listening to what Sam said at the start of this um, interview, really highlighted that. She couldn't even decipher the difference between a single action, uh, a single barrel, a okay, double action, okay. a but, barrel well, and let, an action. Let, she did make some errors. She referred to bullets rather than cartridges. But let's, let's put that aside for a moment. Why not put this thing, which is very close to a pump action as described under licence category D and therefore restricted in the numbers who can have it, why not put it in there with category D? So people who need it for good reason, and she described some of those, can get it but it's not as readily available to, to arguably 800,000 people. 
because there's absolutely no need for it to actually be in that, that category. It has wow. been, um, you know, it wasn't put over there for a reason in 96. Um, it's identified as a manual, manual cycle action. Um, but what is the uh, difference, really, where between that and a pump-action shotgun, really, in terms of using it? Well, like I said, that actually, if we're going to go down that path, the fact that law-abiding firearm owners aren't the problem and they either are um, legally obtained registered firearms, uh, it actually flips the other way around and says, well, why is the pump-action in that category? Yeah, but, 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 are you, are, are you agreeing a? with me there's essentially not much difference between a pump-action no, shotgun? No, no, there, there is a significant difference. What? Um, why the um, law was shaped that way, I'm not 100% sure. But so what's the, the, the difference? Uh, what, what's the significant difference you refer to? The, the type of action itself, so the pump action... Yeah, but in the result... Uh, how, very, how, very smooth and you have to have... I've never used one, so no, I can't... Actually, no, but how many, how many, how many cartridges am I going to get off quickly with my pump action compared to the lever action? It's not going to no, be a huge no, difference, is it? Um, I don't know. I've never done the comparison. Oh, come on. Um, you, you know. You've been around guns for a while. What do you think? But I, but I could go and get a coach gun, and if we did a 10-round um, competition, I could um, potentially use a double barrel quicker than what I could use the Adler. So, with, with how many cartridges? Uh, if, if we're using 10, um, uh, you could... I mean, there's, there's, You're going to reload uh, it each time? Yeah, that's exactly well, right. Well, that's so nowhere near the same as using 7 in one, in one uh, chamber. So Actually, I'd like to focus on that just a little bit. Mm. Um, these videos where people have actually um, used the lever action to cycle them uh, rather quickly, um, they're not taking the time to actually point and aim. They're just holding... And firing. Oh, that's, not the point. A... that's not the point. Look, we're, we're all about trying to reduce the risk from guns. If you accept that these guns are necessary, then let's at least put them in a tougher... In fact, rewrite all the categories to make them tougher. Maybe, they, maybe we just need to review all these laws, because when you look through them, they do seem pretty sloppy and contradictory. Uh, look, I, I, I tend that. to disagree. I, I tend to... Um disagree. The, the um, laws have been in place for 20-odd years and they haven't had a problem. It doesn't matter what laws in place, the law-abiding are going to abide by them. And um, the people who are using the firearms for crime, like the, the, the shootings that have happened in Melbourne over the last 12 months, uh, there's been no evidence to point out whatsoever they've come from a um, uh, legally obtained registered firearm. So the focus really should be, at this time and point, where the problem seems to be criminality and illegal firearms, that's where we should be pulling mm. our absolute focus into. And, and I'm fully supportive okay. of that. Okay, thank you uh, for talking to us. I just thought when I saw your video this morning, and that's why we're talking about it, it's that and there, is it really appropriate that we should be doing this on the eve of the Port Arthur Massacre? Think of the victims in that. That, that video was about um, 48 hours ago, and it was actually in reaction, uh, retaliation to a front page of a mainstream paper. Um, oh, yeah, but you, know, you, you and I uh, both know we're on the eve of this. People are going through a tough time. I, I, I agree. Um, you know, this, whole, this year has been um, heavily focused on um, people trying to capitalise on a tragedy which happened 20 years ago uh, to push... Um, oh, that, oh hang on, hang on. That's a, that's a bit unfair. That I mean, capitalise on a tragedy. One of the men I've talked to about it lost his wife and two kids. He's oh. not he's not capitalising on anything. He believes it. Now, be, be fair. That that's very that's no, a look, cruel thing to say. That's a I mean, very cruel thing to say. No, no, that's that's not the point of what I was trying to say. Oh no. well, um, Walter, Walter McAck's been leading it, and you say he's trying to capitalise it. His wife and two kids were murdered there. No, 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 no. I wasn't referring to him. I was referring well, who are you to referring to? Australia. Oh. John the man who launched the not. man who launched the petition was Walter Mickack. I think you owe an apology. 
Oh, look, I, I absolutely uh, feel completely for Walter and his family. Yeah, well, don't, well, don't accuse him of using... Crazy. Don't accuse him no, or any of the victims not. of using this to... I was not. I was absolutely not. Well, it sounded very much like it. All right, guys, you just heard from uh, Ricky Muir. Fantastic. And finally, there's a politician now that's actually saying, and this is what I've been waiting for for quite some time, that the pump shotgun was incorrectly classified. Yes. Uh, and, so, and, and Neil Mitchell kept on trying to push... Ricky, about what the difference is between the Adler and the pump shotgun. Ricky held his own. And finally, one of our pro-gun politicians, instead of our politicians and our organisations ducking for cover on the Mm. Adler, they're actually now saying, like Ricky Muir, great. No reason why the pump shotgun should have been reclassified. That's right. I'm I'm very impressed with Ricky in this interview, to be honest. For someone who's been into politics for literally just five seconds, Ricky has done an outstanding job in the media. He he spoke like a, almost like a seasoned professional, really. Um, he's done a fantastic job in representing us. And uh, finally, like you said, Jason, someone said it, that a pump-action shotgun really shouldn't be anything more. I mean, obviously, we'd like to have a world with no categories at all for firearms, but if you had to classify it, a pump-action shotgun should be nothing more than a Category A or B firearm. It's just ridiculous that it's a Category C uh, firearm and, and you know Ricky's represented us well there and good on you Ricky well done Ricky Muir finishing off on one of these great articles this one's a very very good article I can't believe this one's been printed this is the the Mercury May 6 2016 by Carlo DeFalco uh, and and the article is called Talking Point Gun control law is the biggest con job in our nation's history all right and the article starts this year marked the 20th anniversary of Port Arthur tragedy and the same prohibitionist groups have been exploiting this as they have for the past two decades. Wow. Big statements. Yeah. The Port Arthur tragedy is now mentioned without referring to the banning of the action of the lever action shotgun. Now, we scroll down a bit. Interesting part here. It says, while no one dies, what happened at Port Arthur is an unprecedented tragedy. Norway had a massacre in 2011 that claimed 77 lives, and yet there was no gun buyback or tightening of their gun laws. Uh, there have not been a repeat, despite citizens having access to the same types of firearms used by Anders Brevik and Martin Brevik. Right. New Zealand has not had a mass shooting since 1997 and likewise allows its uh, citizens the same semi-automatic high-powered firearms as do some European countries. The proposition you can vicariously control criminal or psychopathic behaviour by confiscating private property and burying law-abiding citizens under a mountain of regulation is simply absurd. Former Australian Prime Minister John Howard has claimed success because there had not been another mass shooting. The reality is last year we had our first mass shooting, four or more victims in a single incident, when a man shot his wife and three children before taking his own life at Lockhart, New South Wales. Mental health issues were a factor and firearms had been confiscated from this house previously. Okay, in 2008, researchers Jack Dearden and Warwick Jones, working for the Australian Institute of Criminology, reported that 93% of gun murders involved an unlicensed perpetrator with an unregistered firearm. Uh, gun laws completely missed the mark when you realise the chance of any one of 800,000 gun owners committing a murder uh, are so minuscule that you are more likely to be sorry to die from a bee sting. So, I mean, I'll link that article from. Uh, the blog post on the website because uh, it's a very interesting article. I mean, the whole thing is just totally pro-gun. I'm surprised. I mean, I said even just talking to Mario, even just the you know main title, talking point, gun control law is the biggest con job in nation's yeah, I history. I know what That's a fantastic huge. title. 
Yeah, well done, well done, Mr. DeFalco. Uh, Fantastic uh, article, and uh, that's in the Tasmanian Mercury. Yep, themercury.com.au, May 6, 2016, Carlo DeFalco. Great, great article. Um, I'm not sure if he actually works for them or he's just a person that wrote in with an opinion piece. or No, it is an opinion piece because it does say up the top. So uh, I'm actually glad they actually uh, wrote that. I mean, and then actually printed it. Unbelievable. Yeah, fantastic. I mean, it's true. I mean, Anders Breivik, I mean, Norway. They, they, they had no um, knee-jerk reaction to gun laws. And uh, look, and this is what uh, I, I guess in general when people talk about firearms and when you're confronted with someone who is a, I guess, uh, what do they call it, Jason? Hoplophobe? Yeah, got <laughs> a mental illness. Someone who's scared of guns. you just got to, um, I guess, speak confidently about these things and say, look, I mean, um, you know, other countries, really peaceful countries, like, for example, even say Switzerland. Switzerland's no one would think Switzerland is a very violent country. I mean, they've got the highest gun ownership per capita in the world, even bigger than the United States. I mean, literally every single household has military firearms, and um, it's not a violent country to, <laughs> by any stretch of imagination. So you just got to, uh, I guess, speak uh, with a lot of facts and, and, and speak with um, clarity when you talk to these people. And uh, and this is another great article to um, to show that, you know, yeah, you know, you can speak common sense. And uh, hopefully you will uh, be able to win over some of those people who are, you know, not sure about gun laws, not sure about guns, not sure about, you know, gun ownership and uh, where they stand on the issue. And uh, that's very important. We need to be able to use free speech to promote our sport, our recreation, our culture and gun ownership. Well, guys, that probably comes up to the end of the show. And again, we've got more political party podcasts coming available. So I hope you enjoy those. I know I've released all the ones already. They've been quite popular as well. So I hope you enjoy them. What else do we have coming? We're going to be at Hunt Fest again. Come if you want to be at Hunt Fest. We're going to be setting up a little booth. Come and have a chat to us. Get on the air. Don't be scared. Come and visit. Uh, We're good to talk to, you know, firearms owners and hunters down there in Hunt Fest. iTunes, comments, rate, five stars, leave a comment. We did have someone left us a one star, didn't actually leave a comment. So it must be someone that has hurt feelings in regards well, to our comments, which is good. If you leave a one star or two star, whatever, at least let us know why. I mean, we're not we're not scared of criticism, not 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 by any stretch of the imagination. Their feelings are hurt. We said something <laughs> about one of their friends or someone they like, and they're obviously uh, upset about it, which is no. just, which is fine. What can you do? Leave us a voicemail on the website if you want to be part of the show. We didn't do voice uh, call-ins for this one because we had so much to talk about, guys. Once the election's over, we will go back to a few yeah. of those call-in type things. And also, also, guys, for those of you who may be wondering why Jason hasn't done um, uh, SFP election podcast, or sorry, SFF, Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party uh, podcast. Uh, look, we've given them, we've extended the invitation. So far, they've declined. Obviously, uh, not happy with us. We've uh, not ha- given them some favourable comments in the past. But you know what? Myself and Jason, we were pride ourselves of telling the truth, telling how it is. And to be honest, some of the representatives from the Shooters, Fishers and Farmers Party haven't been doing a great job in the media recently. And we just we, all we've been doing is calling them out on it. And the, the door is always open to them. They can always come on the show anytime and they can always give us a call if they want to do an interview or or, uh, um, uh, or promote them promote, or run promote ads themselves or, or whatever. If they always want to do that. The door is always open to them. So uh, Jason mentioned that in the last show, but if you haven't caught that, just wanted to remind mm. you guys. Unfortunately, they're yeah. one of the only ones that uh, won't be t- partaking in the uh, election podcast series 2016. 
Look, um, I think I think that's uh, I think it's rather disappointing to be honest. Because I mean, if you're a politician, you'd want to try and reach out to the media to as many people as you can uh, uh, via various mediums. And uh, for them to, I guess, take their bat and ball and go home is rather disappointing, to be honest. And I certainly hope uh, this changes in the future. I certainly hope they'll come on the show and talk to us and uh, and uh, do interviews and things like that. I mean, it's only going to benefit them as eventually in the future. Me and Jason do this for nothing. We don't get paid for it. You know yeah. what I mean? We just love, we love gun rights. We love hunting. hunting. We love shooting. We love fishing. We love all our outdoor sports. And this is why we do it. We're very, very passionate about it. So yeah. uh, there you go. Yeah, good stuff. Um, that's really about it for this show, I think. That's all I've really got coming up. Oh, we'll be at the SSAA SHOT Show as well in Sydney. So if you want to check us out, come. probably won't be recording guys at the SHOT Show in Sydney. We, I might bring me some, I don't know, we'll see oh, how look, we go. We'll I definitely might bring be cruising around there. We'll be cruising around there and we'll put some shirts on. So if you spot us and you want to say g'day, yeah. by all means, say g'day and uh, we'll be happy to have a chat with yeah. you guys. Uh, Not sure if I'm going to record yet. Um, yeah, Normally when I go to these shows, they, I mean, they're generally pretty much yeah, the same. Year in, year out, so it's all the same people. Yeah, there's oh, new yeah. people. I've been and stuff. to pretty much every and they single just one. Don't, sometimes mm. they don't rate rate as high as this show. They don't rate as high as their other shows. Mm. So sometimes I think is, is it even worth it? Um, Huntfest will be a new one. So that's definitely we're going to definitely be there. So come and check us out there and say hello yep. and have a chat. I might bring some film. Uh, audio equipment we'll see but um i guess guys i hope you enjoyed this show lots to talk about lots of interviews mario and two ue doing a great job you know call up your radio stations when you get an opportunity don't be scared be prepared practice and you'll be fantastic and, and you don't, may, be uh, and don't be a fud <laughs> don't apologize for your gun ownership yeah. don't tell them how Mar great started to get upset with me the other day because don't tell them how great john howard is for god's yeah, sake i kept on calling Mars up and i go you a fud and he goes oh i'm getting sick you're saying <laughs> anyway guys uh thank you again for listening to another show of the australian hunting podcast yeah without further ado my name is jason selms and i'm mario Vlatko. see you next time You're listening to the Straight Shooting Podcast here on the AHB Digital Radio Network. As always, thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.